Hello everyone, and welcome to This Nintendo Life, episode 239! My name is NBZ, and I, um, I have eaten a banana this morning. That's the only thing I can think of, uh, what I did, so, uh, I woke up... The way up. you described eating your banana, it was, it was as like a replacement for walking. You were uh, like, right, yeah. I'm not walking a ton at the moment, <laughs> therefore... I'm eating a banana. And I was like, you right, know, I don't think you understand how walking. Look, works. okay, it's 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 all health, right? It's all tied together. A banana is, although my mum, you know, one time was like, I was eating a banana, and she's like, oh, you know, you should be really be eating a healthier fruit. I'm like, for God's sake, well, I'm eating a fruit, all right? Like, like <laughs> you know, it's it's fruit. it's uh, it's something, you know. Bananas uh, are an unhealthy fruit. Yeah, apparently, mm. um, I, it's just not good enough, you know. No matter what, it's just not good enough. So, mm. um, anyway, T- talking um, of fruit, yeah. so. Caroline saw this on Instagram. It's like some random video, uh, but apparently babies absolutely love it. And it's basically like this YouTube video of these fruit with like this music going. And it's almost like this hypnotic thing where they're kind of, all the fruit have have um, like faces and the fruit are like bobbing around. And then the banana swaps to like an apple and then a grape and then it swaps and then it just keeps going. Uh, and we tried this with Ballet Junior and... I've never seen him so happy looking at like a TV screen. He was absolutely loving it, and it was just like dancing fruit. I couldn't believe it. Damn, dude! Uh, it's the simple things in life. The you simple things. Uh, <laughs> That's all you need: dancing fruit and a, and a good yeah. tune. Look, there's a lot of that stuff out there. Uh, a lot of weird stuff on YouTube. Yeah, I'm sure you're gonna uh, have to get very careful eventually about like, well, uh, there's some weird YouTube rabbit holes that you could go down yeah. with kids stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure all parental controls exist for those reasons, <laughs> uh, and you will become very familiar with them. But um, oh, no, God, that's good. Yeah. It's good to know that you're indoctrinating him to love fruit early on from a <laughs> yes, young age. Exactly. You know, but now the thing is, now he's gonna look at the fruit and be like, well what if that's alive you know i can't eat that that thing could yeah, dance. i can't eat that it's not dancing right exactly he needs to perform for me then i will eat it yes. right this is this is the rule um fantastic well hello we're here to talk about video games and stuff um and uh yeah we've got some some cool things to discuss a uh, couple of announcements up the top of the show here uh we're making uh, a little bit of a change uh, and also uh doing a bit of a survey thing again so Bally, do you want to talk about the survey that we're going to be doing yes yeah, so we are going to do be doing a survey for any listeners who are willing to answer it basically so we last did this survey back in 2020 and the questions are basically you know like how long you've been listening to the show where did you find out about the show um we talked through some of like the patreon stuff and things you like about the show things you might not like about the show and it's all anonymous it's all in the google form so be honestly as honest as you can possibly be that's how that is how you will help the show the most is to mm-hmm. be, just be honest and yeah we got a decent number of responses last time so we're hoping that uh, um, a good few fair few of you out there will be up for answering it and yeah it's going to be open for a month so at the time the monday that this show goes out on the 16th of january that's when uh the survey will open and then we will close the survey i guess a a month later so i guess around the 16th of february or it might be in line with whenever that show comes out so yeah we'd hugely appreciate it if you could take the time to do the survey it honestly takes about three four five minutes max um and it's quick we've got a link to it in the show notes it's on Mm -hmm. discord we'll put it on twitter so yeah we'd hugely appreciate if you could uh, spare us four minutes of your time absolutely yeah that'd be great um and yeah we're just looking to see 
if we should make more changes different things with the show all that sort of stuff um as we already announced at the start of this year we're kind of changing things so we're doing a, a two-segment show instead of a three-segment show um and part of that also impacts uh, our patreon so a, a change that we're making slightly is in the past we had the five dollar tier which we were always like we should probably do something about that because it wasn't great in the in terms of what we had said for it we we're like oh you know you can suggest topics for the show and then that never really uh, materialized uh, very much and um yeah it just kind of wasn't a good offering so uh, we're making a change to that obviously with now two segment shows opposed to three it makes even less sense um so the idea is that uh it's now just going to be a place where you can just we just post whatever um random stuff that we decide to make or want to talk about or write or whatever um so like that could be audio video text um in any kind of form um and that will just pop up there um onto the five dollar tier and there's no kind of consistency or schedule or frequency to that it's just a whenever however type of thing um which um yeah that's that's kind of how we're gonna deal with at the moment and you know maybe based off this survey uh things will change on that and we'll we'll make other decisions but i thought you know given the change we made at the start of the year probably be smart to um just update that and change that as well so um yeah you can also uh listen to the first thing that i made for that which is a um it's like a an audio thing where i go through my favorite songs of 2022 uh, and i talk over them uh, while listening from to video them. games um from video games yes of course and um yeah and uh, that was that was good fun to make so um i put that out to everybody but in the future stuff like that will probably be in the five dollar tier so right um yeah so that is that going forward so excellent stuff bally um looking forward to this year and the stuff we're going to do um but let's talk about this show in particular and the stuff we're going to do what are we talking about today uh, we're going to talk about the games that we have been playing in the first segment and the second segment we're going to look ahead to 2023 on the Nintendo Switch. We're going to go through a bunch of games and we've got a little bit of a, a Star Wars theme that we're going to continue from last year for yes. those who are unaware. We, we, we'll get to that in the second segment absolutely looking forward to that one it's always good fun um but yeah first let's kick things off with video games um and bally i have been over the holiday uh, and for past couple of weeks i've been in and out of of one game in particular mm. um and um it's a game that i think is absolutely fan-fucking-tastic uh and it came and- out end of last year on game pass uh yeah so it came out on everything uh it's on switch it's on i think playstation and xbox um uh, and it is called chained echoes uh it is a jrpg uh it is in the style of super nintendo classics uh you know pixel art style uh top down and i think this thing is um you know how we're very excited for sea of stars and sea Mm. of stars is like oh it's like chrono trigger and stuff like we're hoping it's gonna be good well, Sea of Stars has a run for its money right now because Chained Echoes is is coming in here and it's like, listen, everybody, I am taking the indie crown for the best RPG uh, from this space and uh, no one is going to challenge me. Um, and so I'm about, I'm going to say 15 hours or so in. So I still have a lot to go. I know that people are putting like 40 hours into this thing. Um, you know, it, it depends how much side stuff you do, all that sort of stuff. But um I, so far, am absolutely loving the experience, and I think that there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, The way I kind of describe it is Chained Echoes basically looked at the JRPG genre and were like, okay, what if we didn't do any of this bullshit? What if we just did stuff that was good and that is modern and makes sense in the year 2023? Uh, And it is such a sublime experience from a playability standpoint right stuff i'm talking about is things like you know in a regular rpg you go into a fight and it's like 
oh, I kind of I want to run away from this fight because I messed up or, you know, I don't want to fight it because it's a random encounter. Um, so first of all, there's no random encounters. So it's just like Chrono Trigger. Enemies appear on the map and you kind of like jump into a battle with them. But you can run from any fight without consequence. No matter what, you can just run. It's fine. The thing that pairs with that is that after every single fight, you automatically heal all your health and all of your magic points straight away. Uh, don't need to worry about that at all. Nice. So there's situations I've been in where I go into a fight and I kind of mess up the first turn by not doing the correct thing. And I'm like, well, I could keep going or I could just run and just go back to the start of the fight again. And and I've done that multiple times in this game because it's so easy to do. And because because of that it means that you can really focus on just doing the maximum damage and like being as efficient as possible it basically makes every regular fight with enemies interesting because i think one of the pitfalls of rpgs is that you you have this limited pool of magic and and health and you have items that can restore it and oftentimes i tend to be very stingy with that stuff because i'm like i don't want to spend more money on potions or you don't know how long the dungeon you're in is going to be exactly so there's like this hesitation there's this apprehension that you have with regular rpgs right and it means that you tend to not use all your magic as efficiently as you want to you you basically like hold back and you're like well i could just do a regular attack here that doesn't cost me anything and mm. is going to do damage i'll do that and by removing that entire idea chained echoes is like no you can just you can go all out and the thing is the entire combat system is based around going all out um and i'll maybe get into it in a minute but a couple of other things that are really cool about this so leveling up is a little bit chrono cross inspired in the sense that you level up based on every time you've beat a boss you get a star and that star can then be spent on upgrades for every character so every character gets this when you beat a boss and then you can spend it on either an upgrade that's a new move so a new ability that you can use in battle or you can increase one of your stats or you can use it to give yourself a passive ability like one of the characters gets an ability called uh, zombie killer which means that they do additional damage against zombies that sort of thing so you can spend these stars on any of those and it has this this tree basically that once you have spent enough on enough abilities it will then open up the next part of it so you can continue down and get more abilities and stuff like that um, and i haven't hit the point yet where i've had to make those decisions of like oh what skills do i want to keep on my character which ones do i want to get rid of but there is going to be that element coming up where you know i i have six slots i think for different skills i can use and eventually i'm going to have more than six and i'm going to have to make a decision of like okay which ones do i want to keep which ones do i want to switch out um the other thing is that this game has a uh, a system in combat where i guess i guess i didn't think about this before but the, the characters are essentially chained together <laughs> i don't know if i don't know if the the name chained echoes like means anything else but like you can basically put them in a formation so one character is on the field the other one is kind of attached to them but they can swap in whenever you want essentially so when it gets to that character's turn you can say okay i'm just going to swap into the other character now usually what happens in rpgs is if you want to swap in a character that wastes the entire turn right like pokemon right if you're swapping someone in it wastes the turn and and you have to take a hit or whatever in chain echoes they're like nope doesn't waste a turn you can switch them in and you can act with them on the same turn so it's mm. like it's super flexible it basically means that you have effectively instead of four party members you effectively have eight party members all at once all accessible at the same time because you can just swap them whenever you need to um and that is such a fluid and 
like nice system and it also makes you feel like you are actually using the entirety of your party like what tends to be the case in these games is you will find a group of characters that you like and you will just stick with them right like in final fantasy 6 i was like i have salas on my team i have Terra on my team uh, i have uh, sabin and i can't remember who else like cyan maybe that was like the team i had um, and Final Fantasy VI does actually kind of force you into using the other characters, especially at the end of the game, where they split you into, like, three parties, and you, you do have to have, like, good levels with all of them, um, so maybe that's an exception in some senses, but also for the majority of that game, especially in the back half, I was really just using one main party, right? And then you have to worry about, like, spreading the XP around. It's the whole Octopath Traveler thing of, like, making sure that everyone has enough experience so that they can level up and, you know, feel like they can actually take part, and... This, this game has, like, an additional layer of that where, okay, so you get the stars for beating bosses, but then you also get regular experience, which you then use to level up your abilities. So, you know, um, one of the characters, Sienna, she's, like, she's my favorite character in combat. Um, she is, like, a kind of samurai she has like a very long sword and she does very very powerful moves and so one of her moves is called yokogiri and it hits everyone uh, and it has a high chance of critical hitting people and so like what i could do is i could go to that move specifically and say okay all the all the sp that i've gained uh fighting regular enemies like that kind of all adds up and i have like 150 of it so i can spend that 150 and level up that one specific move which means that that move when i use it in combat now does more damage and, and has higher crit chance or whatever right so each individual move can then be leveled up which is nice and it gives you an incentive to actually fight the regular enemies because you could imagine a situation right where you know if they're only giving you xp for fighting bosses it almost make almost makes fighting the regular enemies trivial and chrono cross kind of feels like that in a sense because like you know you can find regular enemies and fight them but it, it almost is pointless because you don't get xp you get like some minor stat boosts after fighting a boss from doing them but in this game it's like no we actually have a reason for you to do that as well so it, like it's seen those problems with previous games and like okay let's let's like address all of this stuff right um and I think just from a playability standpoint, the thing for me, as you always know, <laughs> that I love the most is can I move quickly? And, you know, RPGs are known for slow movement, like only in a grid, like you're just going to get your bike. You can get your bike or you can get your, your running shoes. I think Final Fantasy VI, you do have to equip running shoes, don't you, on your main party member? You? And oh, God, yeah, yeah, you do. It's like one of your uh, talisman slots or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and Chained Echoes is like fuck you how about we run everywhere and it's like super fast like the movement in this game and i know this is a weird thing to talk about in an rpg but the movement in this game feels so good like i just love running the running around the running around and chained echoes it's fucking top tier um it feels really nice and the spaces are designed in a way where they don't feel overwhelmed in terms of exploration like you can open the map up and the map is very good at kind of showing you the spaces you can get to but it also feels like there's this sense of exploration, there's a sense of like finding treasure chests and finding hidden places that, you know, are, are hidden behind the environment. But also, it doesn't overwhelm you with enemies, right? Every fight feels important and every fight feels like it's been designed in a certain way of like, okay, we'll introduce this enemy, then we're going to introduce this other enemy, now we're going to put them together, now we're going to put them together with multiple of them, right? Like, every fight feels like it's building and building and building within each area so that you're introduced to an enemy, you learn how to fight them, and then it just kind of ramps up. And that it's never overwhelming they only give you like i don't know maybe four or five fights in an area so you never feel fatigued or tired or like um you know just done with a with um a set of enemies or an area because it's so breezy to get through um and and there's lots of kind of spaces so far it's it's kind of 
overwhelming the fact that one person developed this game. And obviously, like they had one help person, with contractors, yeah. but uh, Matthias Linder is is kind of the solo developer behind this. And uh, from what I've heard, there's like even more stuff coming from a combat perspective like at the start of the game you have these mechs that you're fighting in it's kind of like a you know it's like one of those preview things at the beginning where you like you get depowered it's like metro prime right you have all your mm. abilities then you get that's like what's the setting is it's not traditional fantasy then it's it, quite it kind steampunk-y. of is it's yeah it's kind of a blend of steampunk um but there's definitely a, a traditional fantasy feel to it um but like final fantasy 6 I, I would say, yeah, it, it's it's somewhat adjacent to that, but it definitely has its own identity, right? Like, it, it feels like it's created its own world very well, but all the cities feel like, you know, medieval in a mm. sense. Like, there's a castle and there's, like, villages and townsfolk and it, it feels like a pre-urban like pre-industrial society right. in a lot of senses um but i've only been to a couple of towns so far one of the towns i just got to has like these big waterfalls that kind of come down the center and stuff like that and you know there's there's definitely like cut scenes that are set where you're like on top of a building at night and there's like a big moon in the sky and you can see like off in the distance and you know um at the beginning of the game they show the the first uh, town you're in and they have this big kind of zoom out kind of huge pixel art uh, tableau of, of of the castle in the background it looks fantastic like they get across a sense of place even though it is a you know top-down 2d world very effectively but i would say you know the fantasy setting is very much its own thing has its own identity um but still has those familiar kind of feelings to it but it does it does a twist on it right like the area i've just gotten to is called um i think it's like the petler flower fields right so you in your head you have like an idea what flower fields are but it's like a swamp that's like very white and has this kind of like ashen look to it right so it it calls it one thing but then it has like a visual twist on it which i think is very cool um Mm. so it stands out in that way definitely and every area i've got to is, is very unique what's the story like it's it's pretty good so far i will say that the one weakness of this game i will say is the writing um it feels feels either the localization isn't quite there because i believe the developer is german uh, or it was written you know from him not natively in english right. um in a way that like in a way that almost does evoke those old games like you almost are like oh yeah this does feel like a super nintendo game because the writing <laughs> isn't quite there um but i think it's quite complex it feels so you know in games like chrono trigger final fantasy 6 they i think final fantasy 6 particularly they introduce a character and then they you know have this kind of big wall of text explaining who they are and their background that kind of like the lights go out and it kind of centers on them for a moment so it does Mm. that but um but there are lots of warring factions the game essentially starts off with this war that's happening and you're going into the fray and you're in these robots and everything and you get to the center and your character you know fights a boss and then tries to destroy this this stone this kind of shining gem in the middle and what it does basically is it sets off a nuclear explosion which destroys like the entire surrounding city kills everybody except for these two characters who are very close proximity to it because this for for whatever reason this stone will destroy everything but anyone who's very close to it will survive so it creates this almost like genocide like straight off the bat and that basically is an event that ends a war that has gone on for like a hundred years so there's a huge war across the continent that's happened for a hundred years and that event kind of like stops it and then you pick up a year later with different characters um and you kind of like go through uh you know what's happened in the aftermath of that essentially um and basically tensions rising for another war to start again basically so um mm. you are a kind of a set of disparate characters you you have um, a character called len who's the princess of the northern kingdom but she's kind of undercover like she's basically gone out to like see the world and like what people really live like and that sort of stuff her and her retainer rob are both like party members um sienna who's like a she's a thief essentially she's like 
kind of um just out for herself but then ends up you know winding up with you because of you know stuff that align in terms of goals and those types of things um and you have you know lots of various different party members at the moment i have i think seven total maybe um so i'm almost at a maximum of eight and apparently you get a lot more as the game goes through so it is it's not just capping out at that you can switch people in and out um which i've heard like tends to be you know that may be where later on in the game you are sticking a bit more to one single party because if they keep adding characters it gets harder to manage all that stuff and keep swapping them in but it is easy to do that because as i've said everyone levels up together so it feels feels in keeping essentially with um you know you, d- you don't have to worry about it and, and everyone is usable essentially because everyone keeps pace with with the rest of the party so it's it's all kind of balanced out in that sense but um yeah i think i'm intrigued by the plot so far i'm not like super invested in the sense that uh there are a lot of names of places and people and there is a map that they show you at the beginning but i need to i feel like i need to go on a wiki and like look up okay they reference this place is this what the place i think it is uh are we going in this direction like there are just some names i think they throw they throw a lot of characters at you and they do the like the cutaways to like here are some politicians talking here's here's the king and here's the pope and all these people and like it does a lot of that stuff to the point where i'm like okay probably on like a subsequent playthrough of this game i would understand it a lot better because i would have the context for all these people but when they throw them at you first time it's it's a little bit tricky to keep up but i still i still enjoy it and i think it's ambitious in the sense that it's using a lot of different characters uh, obviously playable ones but also um you know npcs and stuff that have their own motivations and uh you know villains and, and all that sort of stuff i think it's very very interesting so um yeah i haven't talked too much about the battle system specifically but i think that is the thing that a lot of people have kind of glommed onto and i think it's the thing that makes it so interesting so basically you know i've already said that you have these four party members and you can switch them out with other ones you know you kind of chain together the way the battle system works is you have this this bar at the top right this bar is called the overdrive bar and essentially there's this there's this orange meter at the bottom there's this big green section in the middle which is the biggest section and there's a tiny little red section at the end and the idea is that every time you attack this there's a little needle on the bar that moves up right and it moves up the bar and what you want to do is you want to get into the green section because that initiates overdrive overdrive basically means that you do more damage to enemies and you take less damage so you basically want to be in overdrive at all times however every time you attack an enemy the needle slowly moves upwards and if it crosses into the red at the very top that's when you start taking way more damage and enemies start doing way more damage so it's dangerous and you don't want to be in the red so basically you have to do stuff that mitigates that needle and keeps pushing it back into the green so you can move it forward but if you're getting too close you want to make sure it's moving back and the way you do that is that each move has a kind of like icon associated with it um depending on what type of move it is so like moves that are based around healing so either healing your tp or your hp or you know healing certain other aspects of your character those um have a kind of green icon uh, and moves that do poison damage or like you know you know extend uh you know status effects have like this weird purple uh icon next to it so what will happen is at the overdrive bar it also shows one of those icons and whatever icon it is showing if you use a move that has that same icon it will move the bar down so basically you can do your regular attacks and you can keep doing a lot of damage but you want to always keep an eye on what icon is on the bar because you have to use that to kind of push the bar back down into the green because if you go into the red it's it's really fucking mm. hard like the enemy's a unique you. way of limiting powerful moves basically yeah pretty much pretty much um, pretty good, and yeah. 
it's really really cool and it makes it again as i'm talking like regular fights are interesting and part of that is because of this reason right is the overdrive bar it's similar to like um you know and, and, uh, when you're first starting the fight um you want to be careful to not use those moves on the icon because then that will move you back to the orange and that's also out of range of the the green bar right you won't take as much damage um as in the red um but you will still take more so sometimes it'll be like oh i want to use this move but I kind of have to use another move. You know, like, there are certain moves, like, um, so Sienna has a pilfer move, which is basically stealing stuff, and sometimes you'll be like, well, I don't need to steal anything, I don't want to, but it will lower the overdrive bar if I do this, so I'm going to do it this turn just to do that, to put myself in better stead for the next turn. Um, and, yeah, just the balancing act of that and just making sure that it all works is is really hard, but also I think is so satisfying once you get your head around it and once you're understanding, like, the cadence of these fights and how they work and there are so many like um types of moves that in boss fights become way more effective like moves that increase your whole party's you know offensive capabilities and stuff like that the other thing is like all these status effects are very useful in even big fights right like there are so many rpgs where you're like well i don't know i'll try and poison the boss but it's not going to work it's ineffective they're immune to it or whatever and that's always frustrated me about rpgs is like well you have these characters who do status moves and then you get to boss fights where it's like no it just resists every status move and it's like well that just kind of kills any strategy that i have right um and here that's not the case you can just you can do any status move on anybody and it will work regardless right but it will limit you so again sienna can you tell she's my favorite character uh, so she has a move um called blind something it basically blinds enemies right and essentially you can only use it once in a fight so say you come across like four pig enemies at the same time and you're like well they're all going to attack me at once and it's going to do a bunch of damage so how about i use blind on them and then those four attacks just miss for the first four turns but then they 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 lose their blindness after doing it once and then you can't do that for the rest of the fight so you can only blind them once and it's like a tactical thing of like when do i want to blind them uh, when do i want to mm. make sure i'm using the status effect um because it's very tactically beneficial right um and the same with stuff like poison and with you know defense lowering stuff you can put poison on somebody and even if they're still poisoned and you use a poison move again it will automatically extend the poison right so there's a oh, right, it, yeah. it shows you um when you're attacking an enemy it shows you how many turns are left for each status effect right either positive on mm. their side that reminds me of like slay the spire or something actually yeah yeah totally on that yeah there is stacking in, in that sense and um and you you're able at every point in time in the battle to see how much how many turns you have left on your status attacks uh, or, or your like buffs to yourself but also on enemy buffs and debuffs right so it's great to be like oh i've only got one more turn on hp regen left so i need to use victor to use hp regen again so that all my characters automatically heal and healing is, is a tough balance because i've only got one main healer at the moment and they have a class emblem which gives them access to a few more abilities so that class emblem allows him to heal the whole party um but getting healing otherwise is is a matter of like you have to use an item right like and that's that's the other thing is like you don't use items outside of battle because everyone's always healed outside of battle so you have to use items within the fights themselves um which makes them actually far more valuable and useful um and i actually have been using them a lot more than i would in in regular rpgs because you know sometimes you are in a bit of a in a rut and you're like oh, i need to get out I, I i don't have any way to heal anybody you know like i'm right near the edge of the over uh, overdrive bar and if i use a heal 
will it'll put me into red so i just need to use an item right um and there are other ways to kind of mitigate the bar if you defend with a character that will slightly move it down a bit um but also when the enemy attacks you it will slightly move it up uh, for your side so there's a there's a fine balance to strike here and um i think it just makes it so engaging there there's also like boss fights that are so creative and awesome like there's one where i was on a essentially a minecart going through this kind of underground area and you're fighting a boss while this minecart is moving but you also have access to the controls of the minecart and so you can pull up you can press the trigger button and it pulls up a map of the kind of area you're going through and there are different areas where you can switch uh you can hit a switch on the minecart and it will change the direction your cart is going um so you can look at the icon there are different icons on the map one is like a heart one is like a poison thing one is like um a big rock that will fall on you and do damage and one of them is a skull and if you go into the skull you just automatically die basically so you are basically balancing fighting this boss while also paying attention to what route you're on on the minecart and in the top corner you can see the turn order right so you can see which character is coming up when and there will be a a part of the turn order that is like this is when the minecart is going to shift to a new direction or when it's gonna it's gonna um, move to a new screen essentially so you stay on one screen for a while then it will move to a new screen and depending on what direction you have set the minecart to go in it will go in that direction and i fought this guy a couple of times and i was so involved in the boss fight that i forgot like to change it once and i died twice by just going uh you know into a pit essentially Mm, accidentally mm. um so you really need to focus and be like okay well one of my characters this turn they can't heal or they can't attack their move has to be hitting the switch on the minecart to change the direction that it goes in and it's just such a cool idea it's really unique and different and not really like any kind of thing i've seen at a jrpg before this game is wildly creative in so many aspects and you know the combat system is is an element that kind of like shines above all else but i think generally from an overall standpoint from everything going on with chained echoes it's remarkable and i every time i sit down with it to play it i'm like why am i playing any other game right now right like it really has captured me in that sense and um and yeah i i love it i think it's absolutely fantastic you've given me the fear because now i know that the next traditional jrpg you're going to play is probably going to be octopath traveler 2 that's and true I'm worried yeah. you're going to juxtapose the two yeah and i'm sure octopath traveler 2 is going to be doing all these traditional things that are uh-huh. going to be great on you now having played chain echoes yeah it honestly feels like <laughs> it feels like being i've been constrained for so long and now i'm like oh I'm, i can breathe again you know that's what chain echoes feels like it's like oh wow i can really just fully enjoy an rpg without compromise and i think that's the thing for me that makes it stand out above so many other games that i've played in this genre is there is a an adherence to tradition that this genre just like loves right it's like nintendo in a lot of aspects like lives mm. in mario like there are it's things like japan. that <laughs> it's like japan right like and it's it's like as i was talking about the nintendo show i talked about yakuza like a dragon and like how that game is like well what if we did all this bullshit the dragon quest did in the 1980s you know? <laughs> they added in the jrpg bullshit yeah. to a game that wasn't a jrpg right they're like oh what about we have this revive move that only uh, revives you 50 percent of the time lol uh you know that sort of shit <sighs> and um and chained echoes is like nah mate nah this is we're in a new era look this is the year 20 fucking 23 all right and we're doing things different um and it's gonna be like that okay um so oh, is the is the the jrpg era over and we are now into the european RPG. oh sure yeah there we go. <laughs> the european yeah. influence jrpg we're, take, we're yeah. taking over i certainly hope so i mean i i certainly hope that a lot 
of games take cues from what this is and it's like the thing is what it's doing is not really that hard or revolutionary it's just like no exactly it's just pushing against things that people have just like almost stockholm syndrome themselves into thinking like well this is just how it is you know um and and this game is like nah it's, it's not has um, has there been any part of the discourse with this game of the more traditional jrpg fans who mm. push back more against the stuff you're saying about um item use in dungeons right and they might like that pressure of not knowing how long a dungeon is and balancing healing with magic with meters you know i totally get that i i haven't heard it if i'm honest all okay. i've heard is effusive praise from everyone who's played it basically so <laughs> i mean um, sitting on a 90 on open critic which for any indie game is a, an absolute amazing score honestly yeah um, and and it really deserves it honestly um and the thing is here's the thing um i'll probably talk about this next time as well because i still haven't got to you know the mech stuff which i know is coming which apparently mm. changes the combat up even more and you know there's there's a lot more for me to experience in this game so um yeah i'm only about 15 hours in and i i think it's phenomenal so far and uh yeah i don't mind that it's going to be 40 hours maybe a bit more than that because i do want to do like all the side quests so far have been very short and easy to do like they they don't take much time or pressure and like exploring around the spaces is great like you you look up at a spot and you're like oh there's a treasure chest up there how do i get up there and you find like a secret hidden path to get up there and like it just has all the elements that i like in these types of games um and also the music is really good and the music has uh big xenoblade vibes frankly which is probably the biggest compliment i can give any soundtrack um and i think so far it's it's got uh, a lot of of great stuff in there um and yeah has has fit the vibe extremely well Ooh. so um yeah i can only say positive things about chained echoes and i think you know uh it's on switch it runs very well on switch um but you know you can play it through game pass you can play it on other platforms game pass pc yes yeah i would fr- frankly i would prefer to be playing this on switch um honestly it is one of those games where i would have put 35 hours into this if it was on switch but it's not so i haven't um so yeah yeah in any case i think the game is brilliant and everyone should check it out if even if you have a passing interest in rpgs i so. should add it to my long list of long your games long eventual to get to, to play list, sure yeah uh, but i will uh, get there i'll get yeah there. i'm sure yeah fantastic well from, from a, a great game to uh-huh. a, a less great game you okay might say. here we go here we I go i finished up sports story you did um, it sounds like very few people on the internet have um suffered the same fate as as i <laughs> okay <laughs> have reached the end of this game and as you can tell by my tone i'm not too happy with where the game eventually went and yeah yeah i think i've ne- honestly never been more disappointed in a game oh no and what i mean by that is that the level of hope the distance between the hope that i had for a game and the reality of the outcome of what that game ended up being i've never felt a greater distance than uh, what i feel with sports story and you know to start with the good points i think that the golf still feels very good and some of the best parts in the game were actually i think the part you dropped off at was actually the part i maybe enjoyed the most in the game which was like okay royal golf challenge and right but ultimately there's just not enough golf in there and as good as the golf mechanics are they're not that different from the first game and i feel like the first game had a much better balance of 
the amount of golf mechanics you have. And yeah, I don't know that your complaint would have been um, as valid had the uh, other sports lived up to what they could have been as full sports, but the fact yeah, that they no, aren't means that you're still relying on the golf to carry things, but the game is like, no, we have these other things. Exactly. And and it doesn't afford them the same weight uh, yeah. and or like complexity, which makes it feel hollow in a sense if the game had just given golf a hell of a lot more weight with the knowledge that the other sports were so like empty and you know unfulfilling then yeah maybe this game would have felt a little stronger for me but ultimately like the glitches the bugs the game crashed on me like four five six times um the saving the checkpoints isn't great the 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 mission structure like in your in your um like mission log it's not always up to date with whether you've actually beaten the little mission or not and the order of which missions you do and when it's not great and that's not even to mention like there's no coherence to like the story or the world or like the geography of the world so what i mean by this is spoilers for this game i guess if you're really obsessed with locations and things but there are like clearly locations in the game beyond the end game um, that they just never get to, and it makes it more clear in my eyes than ever that like this is a very unfinished game. Um, on top of the fact that you know they're building up Pure Strike as this kind of like the capitalist corporate people taking over sport, um, and ultimately you're kind of linking up the queen of the world. And everything's pointing towards you and the queen basically taking on Pure Strike. And she actually says stuff along the lines of, yeah, we're going to take them on, we're going to do this. Da, da, da. And you get to the point at which you've fulfilled everything the queen wants of you. And then you're like, right, well, now we're going to take on Pure Strike. And she's like, yeah, I guess we could maybe, I don't know, we don't need to take them on anymore. And there's some line like that at the very end of the game. Uh, you then do like a little golf challenge and that's the end of the game. And it's like, wow. <laughs> what? I was left like, on the floor like in pain honestly i was just like this is the most upsetting ending where they've there's clearly like two or three chapters just missing from the end of the game it is truly awful and wow yes i would have been up for limping along for two or three more chapters but see honestly that's a mercy that it ended where it did for me yeah part of me was like oh well at least it's done that's the credits and this this is like not the golf story had a good story necessarily, but like, and I do still it think it was charming and it had like a coherence to it. Like there's there a was coherence, at least, yeah. yeah. And the writing is still pretty good in this game. I'll give it that. But there is still a build with your coach and the corporation and the queen, and it all just falls so flat on its face. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. The final challenge again, like it's not even a whole. It's not even a course. It's uh It's like. 10 challenges and the joke is that like you can tell where they were going because the idea is that the, the final challenge is 10 sports oh okay you're not actually playing 10 sports there's they're shoehorning golf into 10 sports so a bit like the cricket you do a bit of bowling where you're hitting a golf ball to bowl yeah 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 they replicate that across different sports but ultimately most of those sports are still you aiming at a green and then Mm. there's like all these weird animal how do I even describe it? Large, colorful animals that are like spirits that just kind of float around these challenges. And it's it's truly bizarre. It looks rushed. It looks ill thought through. And 
yeah i'm 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 actually speechless at like how <laughs> bad it all felt by the end and what a shame yeah from a trailer that promised so much and you know sports that ultimately felt awful i mean i think the next best sport was tennis and it felt it still yeah. felt really really bad like but there was progression there was like a an academy i actually kind of enjoyed that area like it it was all right like i i don't think we talked about the tennis last time right i don't think we'd both gotten too deep into it no. but for me the biggest problem with tennis was like i couldn't at least i never figured out a way to aim the direction my ball went in and it seemed like the only way to get your tennis ball to go in a direction was for it to come from that direction in the first place right there are so many challenges where you have to hit a ball into a circle and it's like well this one came from the left and i need to hit it to the right it's just impossible it's literally impossible for yeah. me to do that so i might as well just leave that ball there's no point in hitting it even um even the first challenge you do in tennis must have taken me like 15 minutes to do it's so fucking hard i'm like mm. how like this it's just such a weird bizarre really on ramp um and yeah like some of the you know uh matches that you have were all right but they last barely any time they're like one game essentially and then it's over um and you don't get to do much more beyond that and then the rest of the tennis academy is you and this other kid running around like trying to find clues for some reason and it's just it yeah a lot of it is very messy um, yeah despite like some of the charm of the areas and like i like the look of the academy and stuff like that but mm. the the middle of that actually one of the things that i was like okay surely this is like a side thing because when you're at the academy there's a bunch of characters with that um the icon over their head which is just like two arrows uh, twisting which is like yeah. you can trade with them i was like oh this must be a side thing that i can engage with if i want to uh nope turns out that you, when you get to a certain point you have to get these balloons and the mm. the girl's like oh okay i need this so you need to go get that i'm like oh i need to i need to go in link's awakening this entire thing yeah. that i thought i could yeah. ignore yeah. no it's part of the main thing now um i think that's kind of emblematic of the problems with this game is main stuff that feels like it should have been side stuff yeah if it was just playing like these glitchy strange sports constantly there's kind of like a quirky charm to it like i did enjoy the tiny bit of cricket that was in like one of the areas like i, I enjoyed that and tennis through all its faults like i, I was prepared to like put, put the faults to the side because and i was saying this to you um off mic but like there's so few sports RPGs out there. Sometimes it feels that I was having a good time almost with like the first three, four hours of the game because ultimately there's not really many other places I can get a similar experience. Like there was stuff like Dodgeball Academia the other year that I really enjoyed and obviously Golf Story. But like these types of sports RPGs aren't too common. And I was giving the game a lot of probably false, false credit as a result for that um and then very quickly back to the tennis i played quite a bit of tennis growing up and for those who play tennis you'll know or who watch tennis you'll know that there's an ad court and a juice court so juice court if you're if you're right-handed you're serving right to left and ad court if you're right-handed you're serving left to right like on alternate points they got them the wrong way around in this game like you you start on the ad court it drove me absolutely bananas like, i couldn't believe like such a simple core part of tennis that they were just completely messing up and it doesn't take long to understand that like uh, at the start of a game you serve from the juice court and from the second point in the game you serve from the ad court it just felt so bizarre um honestly in the grand scheme of things that's an incredibly small oh sure point. yeah uh, like... but it drove me nuts after the long list of things that i'm already moaning about so yeah if this game was glitch free bug free 
knew what was good about the game, like I said, the golf, and just a bit more effort was put into the variety in sports, a bit like the trailer implies, you know, then I think this game would, would have been at least okay. But like the way that everything just seems to fall flat on its face, that you're left with like a little bit of golf and a little bit of writing that's pretty good. And for me, everything else just feels like a mess, honestly. And yeah, it's a real shame. It's a real shame. Like this game has come in hot and obviously it'd been we've been waiting on this game for quite a long time i think the original trailer was like two three years ago i want to say yeah it was a while back yeah um so yeah it just reminds us all again that like games need to come out working for (laughs) for them to be enjoyable and um this game is bad beyond just its bugs there's structurally so much to it that is um completely lacking compared to the first game especially and it's a real 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 shame um if i were them i'd just focus on a single sport and go with that and focus all your all the mechanic time that it took to take get those golf mechanics feeling good that energy if that was spent on cricket or tennis i think you've got a decent game um and i I think also people the expectation from the trailer was we're going to play lots of sports that sounds fun and you spend so little time in this game actually doing anything sport related um and that's a real shame because i feel like the first game you would constantly be doing like little golf challenges, a little, can you get this ball up into there? And can you get this over there? And like, okay, I'll help you do that. And then at the end of each area, there's like an 18 hole golf course. And I don't really mind them cutting from 18 holes to nine holes. That's fine. But um, it wasn't, didn't feel like, yes, each area does have a nine hole golf course that you inevitably do play at some point, but it still felt very tacked on and optional. Whereas I'd like it just to be a bit more bread and butter and, yeah, yeah, I'm 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 diving into the minutiae of what I'd like to see when ultimately it's 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 far worse than that. Yeah. Like it's it's a real shame. And I can't think of the last game I've been this negative about on the podcast. Yeah. yeah uh, uh but yeah, and, and I'm rarely in a position where I'm buying a game day one uh without looking at reviews. Um and that's obviously gonna happen for a game like Sports Story. But uh yeah, right. it's just it's not good. No, it's not. It's really not, and that's why I bailed on it. I just like I got to a point, uh, you know, as you were mentioning, like the Queen's Golf Course thing, yeah. and um, I went through that section, and I was like, okay, I you know just get through this, and they're like, no, you need to get some birdies, and I was like, that was the point. I was like, am I enjoying this? Why am I playing this? Yeah. What is the point? Am I going to get anything out of? I've played this for ten hours already. Is there any reason for me to continue? And I just sat there and I was like nope so i closed it and i did what jeff grubb did i uninstalled it from my switch and i never looked back and um you know it's hard to do i, f- I find from our perspective we we want to finish games often i i for my sins i was not gonna not finish this game like i right, wanted yeah. to see the end and you know what the end was so bad i'm glad i saw it kind of thing like it was it was that shocking um and honestly you missed probably the worst area. not the worst i don't know was it the worst area <laughs> you know. missed a bad area in the end game that is incredibly fetch questy and incredibly get this thing take it to them uh, must have been like 20 times and then wow and then you do the end game you speak to the queen and then you do the end game 10 challenge and then the credits roll and i was just left as i said like in a heap on the floor like uh-huh. what, what was that are you, are you kidding me um so yeah i think you bowed out at the right time um, okay cool I'm but glad. um i i suffered the end games so you didn't uh-huh. have to <laughs> well that's good you can tell people about it uh so uh appreciate it yeah and, uh, if you're playing this game and have a good time all respect to you but sure it's yeah. not yeah it's just not yeah i can't i can't it's not there it's not there 
Um, I have no words. All right. Well, um, the 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 game that I played to kind of cleanse myself of sports story uh, was a nice. I used Elden Ring to cleanse myself. By yeah, the way, and it felt yeah. good. But yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so I played a nice, colorful platformer. Yes. Um, so uh, there's a game called Grapple Dog that came out, I think, last year actually, and um, I had seen it at a couple of events last year, and um, you know, it's one of those games that uh i had looked at from a publishing perspective and the the sad reality about it is that um colorful 2d platformers just don't sell very well generally at least on pc they don't sell very well um but i love playing them so i'm in this weird position when i'm you know doing my job where i'm like i would love to play that it's not going to make any money so we can't sign it basically (laughs) um but you know i wanted to you know play it and and uh, enjoy it myself so i did and I, I bought it on switch um and um yeah i think this game is very neat it's very cool it's, it's longer than you would expect for a platformer um it feels like the levels are they kind of take like 20 minutes sometimes to get through so they are they're a bit 20 minutes for a 2d platform yeah they're a bit more wild. exploratory as levels um basically this game does have a lot of stuff which i think usually annoys me um but i think that i was able to i don't know so you know i've got stuff happening with my family right now it's a bit stressful and you know i was playing downstairs on the tv i just needed a game where i could kind of switch my brain off you know um and just like have podcasts on in the background and like have a bit of challenge that's almost frustrating so i think it's one of those circumstances where in any other circumstance i would be a bit annoyed by this game and some of the stuff that it does but i kind of just washed over me a little bit and like i was i kind of like locked into the challenge and was like yep i'm dying like quite a bit here but it's fine i just want to you know i want to keep doing this and getting through it because what it does is it locks off the world from like progression by gems and you get these gems within the level and you can get a total of five gems you can find in a level and you can get two additional gems for collecting all the oranges or oranges like coins basically collectibles and if you get if you get like 220 out of 250 then you get two additional gems and it when you get to the end of the world to do the boss fight you have to have a certain number of gems in order to open it up right um which as we have talked about before one of our least favorite mechanics in games like just let people who want to just play play through the game and not do all the collectible stuff get through mm-hmm. the whole thing um but you know the, the thing with this game is it feels not mario-esque but in, in a way that you know in those mario games collecting the star coins is the real challenge it does feel like a lot of the real kind of challenge of this game is going and getting those gems so i i enjoyed i enjoyed the platforming enough in order to go after those things but um just to bring it back to what grapple dog is as a concept you play as this cute little dog uh he when he jumps he kind of rolls into a ball almost like samus and obviously you can jump onto enemies heads to kill them all that sort of stuff but he has a grapple hook uh, and this grapple hook is um something you can use with the y button and you just shoot it out either upwards downwards at an angle direction and there are different things in the world you can hook onto so you can hook onto these kind of blue floating discs in the sky that you can then swing back and forth on um you can anything that's blue basically it's color coded in a way um there are cannons that you can attach yourself to that are also blue that you know you can use the grapple to hook yourself into and a lot of the later parts of this game tend to be long stretches with big spikes underneath and you just swinging over long sections trying not to fall and not to die um and it can get a little annoying where like you're right at the end of a section and then you fall on a spike pit and you're like 
well, where was the last safe, like, bit of land I was standing on? The game's going to put me all the way back there. So it is a bit of a challenge when it comes to the latter half of the game. But I think, you know, it's enjoyable enough and it's an enjoyable enough mechanic with, like, the momentum of the grapple hook and swinging yourself and trying to swing yourself up to a place where you can then wall jump into an area or, like, get above a platform, you know, that your grapple thing is underneath. There's a satisfaction to the kind of push and pull, the momentum of the swing um, that I really enjoyed. And so, like, I, I ended up putting like 10 hours into this thing in like four or five days um basically every day after work i'd come downstairs and just be like i'm just gonna put on a podcast and just play grapple dog for a bit you know and um and i locked into it pretty quickly and at the end of the game i was like okay i've got like 170 gems but i need 190 to do the final boss and again if i, th- I think it was a different mood or anything i would be like oh whatever i've seen most of this game i can't be bothered but i was like sure i'll go back and i'll go to some of the earlier levels and just pick up those gems that i sure now with my improved skills i can get a lot more easily and like understanding the game and how they hide stuff a bit better um it would be much easier for me to do so i did and then i be the final boss and, and kind of uh, ended it there it opens up a final world which is like well if you want to get every single gem and i was like no that's i'm not going to do that that seems like <laughs> overkill uh so so yeah but i i really enjoyed it for what it was and it has a good variety in terms of its settings and locations um yeah it's just very charming from a visual perspective just has this really nice look to it um very cartoonish but i don't know how to describe it really like it has a kind of chunky pixel look in a way but um a bit smoother than you would usually expect like i wouldn't say it's celeste adjacent but it's closer to that than like a regular pixel art platformer um it has its own identity and style um and i think that chunkiness that kind of like big blocky feel lends almost a, a kiddish persona cartoonish persona i will say there's a bunch of dialogue i skipped all of it i literally have no idea what the story is i was like i'm not here to sit through cutscenes of dogs talking to chickens and stuff about the world and a robot who's destroying it i'm like i don't give a shit i'm just gonna i'm literally gonna skip every dialogue so i have no idea what the story is um frankly but um you know i wasn't there to do that i was there to grapple on things and swing on things and hook to places and uh yeah that's that's kind of what it was for me so I would say I would recommend this with caution just because I think ordinarily I would be annoyed by this game but I do think that it has enough I think it has enough benefits to it to be worth checking out um I do think it is too long I do think like 10 to 12 hours for a 2D platformer like this it may be overstaying its welcome in that sense uh, and especially with the levels being so long I th- I think part of the reason I took so long with the levels is because I was i was dying trying to get gems and then i would try and get it again and i would die again and i would just keep doing it so if you just kind of mainline your way through then you should be okay i will say that um sports story with its kind of bugs and crashes and stuff made me thought like you know i know is the switch you know hard to develop for or is it their fault or whose fault is it that all this stuff is happening might have become hard hasn't it yeah but then playing grapple dog the same thing happened where like frame rate dips would happen that were really bad in the late game and you know and then it would freeze at some point and then a couple of times it cracked it crashed on me in the final boss level when i was like part way through basically i started this final boss level and i was like oh, okay i'm just going to do what i usually do and try and get the gems and stuff and it took me like 10 15 minutes and then it crashed as i was teleporting to an area within that final level i was like well i'm just not going to f- bother with those gems anymore because it was the end of the game i'm like do i need these gems for anything no i'm just gonna yeah. blitz through it and so i blitz through the final level and that final level actually only took me like 10 minutes doing it fast basically so yeah you can get through these levels if you go fast but the problem is you kind of can't because you need the gems in order to progress to each world Mm. so the game encourages you to stay and explore and find each gem right um so 
yeah it's a bit of a balance there i do wish that they would just get rid of that system altogether but you know what it's fine i enjoyed it uh enough and it it did enough to kind of like distract my brain and turn it off uh, and you know have multiple focuses and sometimes that's uh that's what you want from a game so you know i thought grapple dog was was a fine platformer uh, and enjoyable and you know generally runs very well on switch aside from a few hiccups here and there where Give it can, us a it switch can crash too. come it come on man let's do take it. my um, money <laughs> yeah i'm waiting here i'm waiting uh, my bank is open please nintendo do something all right, uh, that is going to close us out for the first segment. Don't go anywhere, though, because after the break, we're going to be back looking ahead to 2023 and the video games What Shall Accompany It. See you in a bit. Right, everyone, welcome back to the second part of today's show. It's time to look ahead, time to stare into the future of 2023 for what actually is announced. Uh, there's a bunch of games that have been announced for Switch that are coming out in 2023. Some of them got release dates, some of them don't got release dates and could very well be 2026 games, but, you know, they're on this list anyway, and they'll continue to be on this list for, like, five more years. Um, but, uh we're going to see and we're going to predict and we're going to hope uh, we're not going to predict actually we're just going to talk through them and we're going to say we're going to play a little game Balin. we introduced this game last year game. to the show um it's a little game i like to call uh actually i don't have a name for it it's the star wars uh, uh games uh pre- pre- future i don't know it's um basically so okay here's the explanation when Balin and i were younger we watched star wars a lot right um, yes. and we would rewatch it a bunch of times loads of times and what we would do is we'd find scenes that we thought were funny to us mainly in episode two and we would just rewind them again and again because we thought they were funny um so one of these scenes is where uh, where obi-wan comes to talk to Django fett and boba fett answers the door and um and obi-wan's like boba is your father at home and uh boba goes yup yep uh and uh and that we just found that very funny uh it's the kevin knowing who asks boba and then yeah uh yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. uh and yep. um and he goes yup yep uh and that's uh so that's positive that's a good thing yeah um now uh the negative is when obi-wan is uh chained up uh with dooku and dooku's walking around and dooku's like well you know qui-gon he you know i like it he likes me i was his master remember and obi-wan's like qui-gon Jin would never join you qui-gon Jin would never join you uh so uh that's our that's our dooku basically yeah. um so we have our uh, boba i always i i noticed last year as well i switched between boba and boba and i don't i actually don't know which one i say well, they say 
say but, Boba in the film, but the Kaminoans yes. say Boba. That's they're true. Like they, the they're posh English accent. So exactly. They, I think they, in the film itself, they swap. Look, we're going to switch between Boba and Boba. Yeah. Who knows? Okay, uh, it's going to happen. Uh, but all all I know is that basically what this means is both of us have two of these each, right? We both have two Bobas. We both have two Dooku's. A Boba is a game that you're hyped for. You think is going to be good. You're excited. You think it's going to be great. Uh, you want it to be played by yourself, and you think it will be brilliant. A Dooku is a game where you're like, mm, don't know. That might not come out. That might be bad. I'm skeptical of it for whatever reason. I don't like the smell of uh, the. the uh, know the game name if you have synesthesia uh, i don't know like there's lots of reasons you could say that you don't like uh, a game um so that's your dooku so both of us have two of these each and we're going to go down the list um uh, of these games some of the release date some with not and we're going to pick those as we go along uh, mm. to add a little bit of spice and flavor to it you've got to um, say the phrase that's my bobber or uh-huh, that's or my the, dooku exactly and then uh, i will inevitably inject sound effects uh, there as we well. go um, so Anyway, um, Bali, shall we get ahead with this list yeah, of games? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so um, let's go through the games with release dates. I don't actually have the release dates written down, but these all have certified release dates for the start of the year. The first game, coming out very soon, I think next week, um, is A Space for the Unbound, uh, which is a game that I've been following for quite a while. It is a kind of... It's a pixel art, um, side-scrolling, almost like narrative game. I don't think I, it might have RPG elements, but it feels more narrative-focused. I just really love the art of this thing. I think it has like such a cool visual style going on, um, and you know we always. Uh, kind of gravitate towards games with unique interesting pixel art styles like eastward and you know mm. um games that have that kind of thing going on with them and this one has stuck out for me for a while it's been on my wish list for a long time and i'm just hoping that it, it comes out well um there was a game that came out last year called goodbye world which has a very eastward feel to it and reviews were not great for that game it, it seemed like it was a bit too short and didn't really kind of get its message across but um yeah this one seems pretty neat and it is coming out relatively soon so january 19th uh, space for the unbound so um i like this one quite a bit i'm looking forward to it um so yeah that's uh that's the first game the next game up is persona 4 golden alongside persona 3 portable they're finally happening Bally. they're finally coming to nintendo switch do you think you're going to play these at some point i'd like to play them at some point i just need to they can't as long games and there's a long list of long games i need to play but i'd like to put them on that list of long games for sure i would say persona is as an rpg series probably the thing that you would enjoy the mm. most maybe i'm not sure actually like the, i think this is the thing as we're talking about with chain echoes is like i think persona still has archaic bullshit which is slightly frustrating but the nice thing about persona is that it has difficulty levels to mitigate that so playing these games on easy is basically like playing them with modern conveniences because you don't have to worry about you know dying as much or like you know resources as much because it's so easy that you can kind of skate through it and the thing that's good about these games is the social stuff the social calendar you know building relationships with people um all that sort of stuff the narrative elements it's just it's really well voice acted and really well written like all these games are and obviously persona 5 is already out on switch so it's a question of like persona 5 is way longer like my persona 4 golden playthrough i think took me 55 hours and persona 5 took me 95 so there's like a there's a big gap in terms of length there so four is definitely more achievable let's say um even though i would say overall from a gameplay perspective five is the best one um i still personally like four the most uh just i have more personal connection with it it's also like it depends on what you like from a japanese setting are you more into a urban japanese setting which is what five is five is more like based around tokyo and you know that area versus 
kind of uh, Inaba, which is the setting for Persona 4, is a rural Japanese setting. Mm. And I found I connected with a rural Japanese setting a lot more personally, but um, kind of depends how you feel about it. Um, but Yeah, I, I w- I'm happy to try either. I think because you prefer you prefer 4, right? So... Yeah, I prefer it from a story standpoint. The thing is, I know that like old mechanics and RPGs rile you up, so it might be that 5 is actually a better spot for you like they're both fantastic games honestly like you can't really go wrong wrong choosing either um it just depends on your taste really uh, yeah. and what you're looking for yeah. so need to yeah. give them a go yeah um so i'm very happy they're finally coming to switch and we can then uh, include them in our top 50 year list you know every it's just every year there's more and more that finally oh my favorite games coming to switch that can uh, be counted um coming out very soon this week in fact and we'll be talking about it on the next episode fire emblem engage baby um the previews are looking hot for this thing. Uh, I don't know if you've seen much uh, about of people talking about this game, Bally. I just saw that they have brought back the critical hit animations from the GBA games, and that oh, is very yes. cool. The animation looks really good in this game. I think it's the best 3D animation has looked in the series so far, right? Because, you know, you're never going to compare to those GBA animations from just a pure, like, quality standpoint. They're just, like, so top tier. But, you know, if you're going to try and attempt to get there... These look way better than Three Houses or Fates or any of those games. I felt like the animations in those games always felt quite generic, whereas what Engage is putting forward looks a bit more, I don't know, like each character has an identity to the animation and you can kind of you can kind of see it when they use the moves, which is nice. Um, the thing that has got me excited about this game is people talking about it like it's a return to form for like the tactics and for like the focus on just gba style fire emblem where there's very light storytelling and like you can there is like a it's like three houses where you go back to an area but it's not like three houses where you got put off by it with all the calendar stuff and like having to go through all that stuff um it feels much more light touch in the way that you can like hang out there for a bit maybe upgrade some weapons and talk to some people but really you only spend like five minutes there and then you're on to the next battle and I have enjoyed where Fire Emblem has gone in recent years of like the branching paths and fates and, you know, three houses having three different options. This is pretty much like you have an overworld map and you go from map to map and it's linear and you just do what the game tells you to do. And I know a lot of people will be turned off by that because they got into the series with Awakening and, you know, with three houses and like more modern Fire Emblem games that give you a bit more choice and are a bit more character focused and narrative focused. But, um, you know, and I, I really like that stuff as well. I kind of like all elements of Fire Emblem, but at heart, I'm a GBA boy when it comes down to it. And the idea that this is a back to basics Fire Emblem that has some really interesting mechanical changes, right? Like there's a system called the break system where basically if you use, you know, the weapon triangle, right? Like sometimes the way it worked in the past is that you get like a percentage hit bonus, essentially. That was the, the benefit of it. It's like if you use a, um, a sword on an axe, you're going to get a percentage hit bonus. Now, if you use a sword on an axe they can't retaliate so you know when you go into a fight in fire emblem you attack Mm. then they attack if you use a weapon advantage on someone they can't attack you back and the enemies can do this to you as well so it adds this like added tactical layer that i'm very interested to see how plays out and see how that's uh, really good because i think fire emblem got to the point where you can just brute force your way through weaknesses and things and for that to be the case as you say like you can't attack back if you've got the they can't attack you if they've got the advantage and vice versa Mm -hmm. that's really strategic and i like that yes yeah um it sounds good right like i know you don't have time to play uh uh, big games bally but if there was a fire emblem to get you back in it feels like this might be the one actually i'm I'm interested in reviews um if it if they're raving and i have time later in the year and i really want to get back into fire emblem i might might 
try it but yeah three houses sure. really did put me off a bit yeah i mean it feels like the opposite of three houses uh, from what i've heard so good. far so yeah. so we'll see we'll see um next up on the list bally onion, onion assault. assault what is onion assault tell us about it uh, it's our favorite video game developer Bertel horberg again yeah. uh, as famed for gunman clive and mech extermination force uh and super punch patrol as well he did which we weren't as hot on but a little um, less exciting um yeah it's just so this game is like 2d platformer and it's got a real super mario 2 pick up the turnips kind of vibe where you're picking up things you can like pick up enemies and bosses and things in the trailer and stuff and it looks a bit zany it's got that mech termination force kind of art style he does like this real it's like a clear, crisp, but kind of chunky... It's very hard to describe. It's not pixel art, but uh, it's quite a simple, thick, bold lines to like all his characters and things approach, and very colourful, and it looks cool. Like I think he was tweeting about it having some bug issues and things, so I'm hoping it can release clean. Uh, and again, like, I don't think his games get a ton of reviews, but I'm hoping that you know it's early in the year... The calendar is clear other than perhaps something like Fire Emblem Engage coming out and hopefully a few reviewers will pick this up and we certainly will pick it up and give it a go. And it's nice that he's returning back to 2D platforming where we were both a little less hot on Super Punch Patrol. Yeah, and that's mainly because genre, right? We yeah. don't like side-scrolling beat-em-ups. Um, as, as you know, it was, it was well-made, but it just wasn't really my thing. But uh, yeah, the whole Super Mario Brothers 2 influence where you can pick up enemies and throw them, um, very cool. Not many games kind of use mario 2 as an influence so i I like to see that it's it's always good to have that going on uh the next game is blanc which this was shown in a nintendo direct which is a kind of a cute game with a deer and a fox i believe uh or maybe yeah i think it's something along those lines where they kind of like it's almost like a it feels like a co-op adventure but i don't actually know if it is co-op or not it just has like um it has chill sad melancholy and it like it's one of those games where you look at it and you're like well one of these is going to die at the end of the game, aren't they? um that's just the way it's going to be um but um it looks pretty pretty cute what are you feeling about this one belly it looks very cute i i don't think i could have my heart broken like that if one of them does die yeah, um but I know. if if it comes out and it's co-op and uh, i don't know if we'd be able to play it online co-op but yeah know, I, I don't I, think games like this tend to have online co-op almost feels like a brother's situation maybe where it's like yeah. a single player kind of co-op thing yeah um, I'd, I'd be interested for sure um loads cool. of the this type of game coming to switch and a lot of them kind of like fade into the, the background and that's a shame because i think there's a lot of cool stuff going on in that space yeah, absolutely. Um, next up, we have Theater Rhythm Final Bar Line. Um, so Theater Rhythm is a series, mainly from 3DS, which is essentially Square Enix being like, hey, we have a lot of good music. How about we leverage that good music in a game where we put all of it in and you can play rhythm games to it? Um, and that's exactly what they did on 3DS. And I actually bought the um, final, I think, Curtain or whatever, the the second Theater Rhythm, which has more music on 3DS before the 3DS eShop went away. And then they announced this. I'm like, well well i guess i could have just waited for this but in any case uh, it feels like it's putting all of the music from before into this one game has music from every final fantasy i believe alongside some other games like live alive is going to be in this one mm-hmm. um there's going to have some music from near uh there's going to have octopath music in here chrono trigger the mana series like it's basically a who's who of square enix soundtracks um 
and I think it's a great idea. I've not yet picked up uh, Theatre Rhythm to play on my 3DS. I've bought it, obviously, but I do want to check that out at some point this year, so I might be talking about that on a show sometime soon, um, and in lieu of getting this, because this is going to be super expensive when it comes out, and I, I'd like to check it out, but it kind of depends how much music crosses over, and like, if I already have access to a bunch of that music on the 3DS game, maybe it doesn't make sense to get this, but um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's It's a type of rhythm game that looks Guitar Hero-esque in a sense, but also has like different kind of ways you can engage with it. It's It looks a little complicated, but I'm sure it, it makes sense once you kind of understand what's going on. But um, yes, I would like yeah, to play. The, the art style is jarring with me quite violently, but... Um, just all the chibi characters. Yeah, right? it just looks... I don't know. But as you say, this isn't about the looks. It's about all that amazing music that they've pumped in there. And especially a game like Octopath Traveler, like that is... Maybe my favorite JRPG soundtrack. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that sounds cool. All right. Next up, Tales of Symphonia Remastered. That's my Dooku, Bally. That's <gasps> my Dooku. Qui-Gon Jinn would never join you. Um, here's, here's the thing. Tales of Symphonia, a beloved game by many people, came out on the GameCube many years ago. What did they do? They ported it over to other systems. They put it on PC at one point. What happened with that PC version? Well, the GameCube version ran at 60 frames per second. The PC version in what, like 2018 or something when they put it out, had a 30 FPS cap, um, which is baffling, right? Like a GameCube ran this game at 60 frames and now every version seems to come out and is 30 frames. And I just don't understand it. Like, what are you doing, Square Enix? What is wrong with you? This is called Tales of Symphonia Remastered. This should be the best version of the game. And yet even on switch and they're using the pc version for the switch version it's going to be a 30 fps lock and i just i can't abide by it i think another reason this is my dooku is i've tried with the tales series i put 30 hours into tales of vesperia and man it was a trying experience like just Mm. the character writing and stuff was it's the kind of anime bullshit that i thought was just very bad and i think it might just be a thing of the era like just the writing wasn't very good back then and the voice acting wasn't very consistent and it just felt overly long and bloated and the combat was frustrating and you know i've heard good things about symphonia but i think having played vesperia which is a game that happened afterwards a 360 game so it was like a generation later so it should be better from like a gameplay perspective i don't know that i want to go back and experience symphonia and um it might just be that i have to play the newer game right so tales of arise came out a couple of years back and i'm kind of interested in that because it feels more modern in terms of combat really well right it is super well yeah like the best-selling tales game in the series i think and it had a bigger budget and it looks more modern and and interesting and yeah i i know there are huge fans of tales symphonia out there so everyone is shouting at their podcast app right now that i'm uh, giving this my dooku but um yeah it just i don't think it's gonna don't think it's gonna pan out as a great port on switch and so often we find that you know ports come to switch and some some are great some are amazing but i think this is going to be one where people are going to be frustrated once again that it just doesn't live up to what people want from a remaster of that game Mm. so we'll see how it goes next up kirby's return to dreamland deluxe uh a remake of the wii game a wii game that came out very late in the wii's life cycle um I don't know if you remember much about this game, Bally, but it's basically another side scroll in Kirby, except for he has big weapons, I believe is the gimmick in this one. So like right. he powers up and he has like a giant sword or, or something like that. And it's like a clean, a, a screen clearing uh, attack that happens essentially. Um, I don't yeah. know. I think if I'm going to go back to a Kirby game, I'm looking at those 3DS games more than I am at Dreamland, uh, Return to Dreamland. I yeah, say. I'd agree. Um, I'd be surprised if this makes 
waves. Um, those Kirby games must do something because he turns out games like candy floss at this point like there's really does two a year i mean there was two last year feels yep. like we're gonna get at least one or two this year and i'm sure there'll be another one next year like I, someone's buying all these Kirby games so yeah i i don't know i i i enjoyed forgotten land last year i love it i like 3d we obviously love canvas curse um i i agree with you i'd be more interested in the 3ds games but i just do not care for this game um there's too much going on for me to want to try this Alrighty. Um, well, next up we have Octopath Traveler Two. That's my boba. Yep. There you go, and there it is. Uh, Bali, take us away. Oh. What's exciting about Octopath Traveler Two? Um, as boring as this sounds, it's more Octopath Traveler, and I know that we were very different in our views on a lot of the structural things in that game, but we can agree that the fight system, the the music, like there's some really strong stuff about that first game, and I'm like this game, this sequel feels very fresh in the sense of like it's eight new characters, eight new worlds. It's a lot more steampunky and industrial, which I'm very looking forward to, whereas the previous one was very much more traditional fantasy. So I'm very excited by that. Uh, I want more banging tunes. I want some more intricate, well-told little stories that I think the first game did do well. I'd love it, if possible, if they can do the overarching story that does link the eight stories without doing the crazy end game level 70 rubbish that the first game had um part of me is concerned that they will just stick to that blueprint and not change much but if they can sort out some of the party shuffling to make sure that there's a little less grinding um and nail some of those intricate smaller stories um i'd be very interested i also think some of the the worlds the areas in the first game we're a bit too tropey and i'm hoping that this game they can each world can be a bit more distinct um and from the trailers we've seen so far it does seem to be doing that so i'm i'm pretty hopeful for this one i hope that more people than just octopath traveler one fans play this game because um i think it's a really cool series yeah absolutely i i'm very hopeful for octopath traveler 2 maybe i shouldn't be but i am hopeful that they are going to right some of the wrongs and make it so that that story is a little bit more tied together and that it works and i think the problem is if they stick to the octopath quote-unquote structure of like going around the world to collect everybody and then doing all individual chapters for everybody that's the issue there because it doesn't it doesn't lend itself to putting all together i'd be surprised if they break out of that because that i agree that is one of the flaws is that you do you do eight intro chapters and eight final bosses and Mm -hmm. In my opinion, JRPGs should have one final boss and one <laughs> intro chapter. And when when intros and outros take up half the game, yep. um, it it can get a little bit tiresome. So I I agree. I hope they can iron that out. If they do stick to that format, I'll probably still love the game. But I do hope they can improve on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's uh, it's going to look gorgeous. It's going to sound great. Those things that we know, um, and it's probably going to play fantastically as well, right? Like the combat is, is awesome. I just want I want better exploration. I want richer towns because frankly, the towns suck in that game. They're all the same with boring NPCs. NPCs built just to take advantage of their stupid system where each character has like a quirk that like oh I can steal or I can bargain or whatever, right? Mm. Um, so they feel so dead and empty, um, and that kind of is reflected in the world. And again, the story stuff is the main issue that I have is like it just doesn't doesn't come together in a satisfying way. Um, so uh, take a leaf out of Live Alive's book, Octopath Traveler, uh, in in some senses, yeah. right? Um, 
absolutely um uh next up is ib uh, which is a game that was announced for switch uh last year in a nintendo direct and uh someone at work uh this is one of their favorite games and uh tell me about like it's a cult classic uh and a lot of people kind of played it in the early internet days and uh you know you look at it and you're like well this def- definitely looks looks like an old video game in a lot of senses mm. but it has that kind of psychological horror mixed with rpg styling that i think undertale and other games of like omori have that kind of vibe right it feels like one of those um and is a cult classic for a reason so i'm interested in at least checking it out and, and seeing what people say about it when it comes uh, to switch uh, at some point this year i think that does have a release date i think it's like march or something but that seems pretty cool um also in march bayonetta origin cereza and the lost demon the most 3ds ass uh, switch game coming out this year i do not know what to make of this game honestly i've no idea honestly yeah it's um it looks cute and it looks like it's um it's like telling almost a storybook kind of narrative like a fairy tale almost like when they presented it they use like a book to like flip through pages and stuff like that and it it has that kind of like childlike feeling which bayonetta is very much the opposite of childlike <laughs> when it comes to its um its humor and its uh, characters and everything that uh, they do so the question here is like are they just trying to appeal to a younger audience with this game or is it like you know just like a an introduction to the bayonetta series for for people i'm i'm not sure but i'm i'm curious to see what it is really because it feels like a feels almost like a zelda style thing right like it's isometric there seems to be combat but you're also exploring these spaces uh i i could get into it um i'm not like as you know valley i'm not here for the story of bayonetta so i'm not really i really care about the lore of uh the the backstory does part of you think this game could do very badly yes definitely right um yeah that's I think, what it's, it's that's what i'm feeling from it. i'm feeling like oh woof you know i well, don't know I think... it's just a bit i don't know it's really hard to describe it's just very i think it's also not great that it's so juxtaposed to what you think of as bayonetta like that the yeah. 3d action and so top down and slow paced it, uh-huh and as you say like i wasn't into bayonetta story either and if it's going to be a hell of a lot more story focused like is there a big enough big enough audience for that? I, or into I that? don't know. I, we'll yeah, see. maybe. I think there's a lot of also big Bayonetta fans who had a sour taste in their mouth at the ending of Bayonetta three, right? So um, it's it's weird because I I think in some ways it's good because what it is doing is it's trying to expand the IP, right? It's trying to reach a different audience. Like one of the benefits you could say is people who don't, who like you don't want to play three D uh, character action games. Mm. do like zelda style games maybe it is something that opens up to a new audience and it's it's taking the ip and it is saying well you know you don't you might not like the style of gameplay but maybe you'll you'll jive with this instead um and you know i think we talk about that a lot with nintendo of like i wish nintendo would do splatoon spin-offs in different genres so in some senses i'm kind of glad that they are kind of branching out a bit more um and giving more opportunities so um yeah uh Next up, we have Have a Nice Death, which is already out on PC in early access. It's a roguelike that got showed off uh, a little while ago, and uh, you play as the Grim Reaper. Um, very, very uh, good animation in this game. Mm, really um, cool. Has, like, almost a stylized, like, Cartoon Network show look to it. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like it's like Hollow Knight with an extra dose of Cartoon Network thrown right. in. Like, it's that extra, real, exaggerated sizes of certain things to make mm-hmm. it punch more you know yeah totally and uh, it's got very positive reviews on steam right now so i'm sure when it hits 1.0 and comes out on switch it's going to be a roguelike that quite a few people will be talking about um and uh, you know maybe we'll have the same effect as stuff like rogue legacy or stuff like uh, hades where it comes to console and that's where people actually give it the time of day and talk about it um so yeah excited to see uh, how that does next up we have storyteller 
Um, that's my boba. Yep. Uh, storyteller, I'm uh-huh. very, very interested in this game. So this game is basically a narrative puzzle game where you have these scenarios and you put characters into these scenarios and you basically create stories almost comedically in a sense where you can swap people out you basically have a situation where it's like okay in the first panel you can have two characters and they're going to be in love so you're like you can choose from a a selection of different characters you have and put them on the page and you basically have to create a narrative that works and i'm not sure how they do this from a gameplay standpoint right like how do you make a a win point right how do you get to a win state so that you can move on to the next one or maybe it is just like i don't know just just put things in place and and move them around and, and see if it works um i'm very curious to see how it turns out if, if nothing else i think it's a very unique concept that i want to see um you know how they how they pull it off and how they achieve it because there's um there's some fun stuff going on there and i think this will be a fun one for streamers to kind of mess around with and and see uh what different scenarios they can come up with um yeah i i love the animation style i think it looks very unique and different um and yeah i I hope it turns out well so i believe that's being polished by annapurna as well really cool little idea yeah i was (laughs) we're gonna write fancy critic and bonus bits i guess but i was very close to counterpicking someone who had this and then I saw that Annapurna published it. I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to count. Uh-huh, it, yeah. Because I was like, yeah, they, they see something here that I'm not seeing. So I'm not going to counterpick that. But yeah, it uh, looks very cool. Yeah, very interested in how that one does. Um, we have the Mega Man Battle Network uh, Legacy Collection coming out, which uh, just in keeping with Capcom putting out collections for all of their games, uh, that is uh, going to be all the GBA uh, Battle Network games. That I know a lot of people grew up playing. I know a lot of people in the Pokemon community also played the Battle Network games. I know Elo back in the day played a lot of those games. So I think there's a bit of a crossover there, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, I never played one of these. I'm not sure what they're like, um, but there are a couple of indie games that have been influenced by Battle Network, uh, most specifically One Step from Eden, which is a... a, a roguelike kind of version of battle network in the sense that it has the same combat setup with like the, the four grid slots on each side and moving around and the kind of the card based um stuff going on i don't fully know how all that combat stuff works but um it seems neat and i'm sure the fans of that will be very very excited um then we got a game that no one cares about uh, it's called the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom um any, I've, not, no? I've not bobbed it because it would be too yeah. boring but um, yes same here uh, yeah i, I it's uh, what an exciting time, you know, even that if it gets look, pushed from May 12th, which would be a shame, it still feels like it's going to come out this year. And that is, I think you said this is the longest between 3D Zelda's we've ever had and it's yes. a sequel. Um, so that's very exciting. And I, I I am concerned about the power of the Switch. I know I said in my prediction that I think it will run fine, but um, I don't really feel it and I am nervous. And I also hope coming off of a year that's had elden ring that it can still wow the crowds uh it's a lot of pressure and i'm I'm really just hoping it can live up to that pressure and if there's one team who can do live up to pressure it pressure is the zelda team and they did that with breath of the wild i think that game had incredibly high expectations from everything we'd seen about that game and the long 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 run-up that it had and it still delivered um i really hope tears of the kingdom can do it yeah, it's really hard to say at the moment. We just haven't seen enough of the game. No, um, and, and I think know. they're going to keep it that way till launch, aren't they? It feels like I don't know if we're going to yeah, see I mean, necessarily that more, much more. Nintendo do like to do big pushes on these big games, so it feels like the marketing ramp up is going to happen in the next couple of months, right? Like there will inevitably be some kind of Nintendo Direct, either February or March, probably February, 
and they're gonna they're gonna have that's three months away from release so they're gonna have to pull the curtain back a bit more than they have so far right like i think that we're gonna get a full-blown trailer this year definitely um but we have to we have Will to they do preview events for press i wonder if they do do that yeah alongside like a february direct they might have a preview thing mm. um if possible and i think yeah that's that's definitely viable it i you know what we should do we should both just boot up breath of the wild on switch and go back to it and be like how does how do we feel about that? how does it hold up visually right and yeah, like yeah. all that stuff because i think that might give us more confidence that this game will be fine right because i do you know i i I feel like it's still one of the best looking games on the system and still yeah. like runs re- very smoothly. I, I you know? booted up Breath of the Wild quite a while ago, but after like owning a PS5 Series X and it's one of those things where frame rate is very jarring initially, but as you play on it, it does fade away. Like most visual things, you, you're, yeah, you, your yeah. eye gets very used to it very quickly. Um, and I think it's, if it, that's what I'm saying. Like if it runs at a smooth 30, I think it's all fine. Um, it's, it's not ideal, but it works. It's fine. It's that it's just if it's if there are areas that do make it chug, and I think that's the concern, especially now that like we're talking a lot more about verticality in terms of like the sky and the, is there going to be flying style of traversal? I know we saw that like weird stone bird thing that he was kind of gliding or flying on briefly. So I am concerned, but hopefully they can stick the landing. Yeah, for sure. Um, we should give Tears of the Kingdom uh, the Qui-Gon Jinn Award for most excited anticipated game. Oh, maybe. Yes. I don't know. Oh, yeah. um, it's a very special time. It's, absolutely. Yeah. So, looking forward to it. Um, the next game is The Legend of Heroes Trails into Reverie, which is part of the ongoing trail series that has like 20 entries in. I have the first Trails game on my Steam Deck, Bally, and I'm just, every time I look at it, I'm like, I need to start that. I need to get into this series because the people who talk about this series, they're like, they're like Xenoblade fans, man. They're fucking crazy, right? They're like, you're, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread, uh, the best series ever made. And it's one of those series where you kind of have to play all of them because they're all connected and <laughs> there's like 20 of them and there's so much stuff going on. And uh, this game originally came out in Japan, I think, a couple of years ago. So it's now being finally localized for the West. But um, I just wanted to give a shout out because I know that there, there are Trails fans out there who would be uh, chagrined if we skipped over it. But uh, uh, yeah, I my intention is to play a Trails game this year and that, is a goal that i hope to attain um and now with steam deck it makes it much easier so is this going to be the one um what this game in particular yeah uh i i think you're going to start at the start maybe or something as a no this i mean i this is like probably like the seventh game in one of the sub series (laughs) i have no idea frankly um so it's probably not a good starting point for anybody um but i do hope that trails gets its breakthrough game at some point in the west that people are like oh this is the one you should start with because at the moment kind of have to start with one that is quite old um, and hard hard to get into but i am looking forward to diving into that at some point Um, Hmm. then we have a controversial game uh, hogwarts legacy that's my dookie qui-gon jim would never join you there we go i thought that might be um yeah how are you feeling about this uh, um this thing me personally i've i've i'm not that into harry potter i have seen the films i have read the books i think they're all good however uh certainly i've not been that into harry potter in quite a long time and then obviously since all this rowling stuff um yeah i've had very little interest in harry potter uh, i do could this because i'm fascinated to see how the video game commentary at handle this um i'm my hope 
And I think Greg Miller mentioned this just the other day where he said, you know, like my job is to be a reviewer. I'm going to review this game. And, you know, I, I, I respect that. And like, I think that it's important that I do want people to review this game, but I hope that your outlets, even your sites as big as IGN are able to give the context and the context shouldn't affect the review. It probably will in some cases. I hope it doesn't. I hope that this game can be awarded, rewarded on its merits, but for outlets to be able to give the context as to the situation that the whole Harry Potter franchise finds itself in. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not sure I'm going to come away from the whole release feeling that warm about how the industry reacted, to be honest. Um, And it's a bit of a sad state of affairs, but hopefully at least some outlets uh, can can give the context as to why, uh, you know, it should be made known what Rowling's views are on trans rights, and it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I mean, to add on to that, like, it's coming to Switch, and I feel like it's going to not be a good version oh, at God, all. no, hell no. Um, they are pushing this as, like, a big, like, game where you explore the whole school and the grounds and everything and it's like well they're not going to do a cloud version for switch they're doing a native version for switch which is man in 2023 that's pushing the envelope quite a bit um especially for a game that is targeting playstation 5 and xbox series consoles right is there another Um, game that has launched on ps5 xbox series x that has also come to switch that is kind of third person semi-open world i don't know yeah this might be the first Um, it tends to be the case that if they do that it's like control where they're like it's cloud Uh, that's (laughs) all we can do um so yeah you know all even the jk stuff aside like i think it might be a terrible port as well like it just just might be like uh Hogwarts Legacy on Switch might be one of the worst things released in 2023 for many reasons. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I do feel that. sorry for Harry Potter fans. I think they've been put in a position they, they didn't yeah. want to be in. And, you know, we've talked about what if George Lucas did something this bad? How would we feel and how would we respond? And, yeah. And, you know, it is, it is difficult. And um, Well, he I, doesn't financially benefit from it anymore, right? Which is one of the bonuses versus JK who does. What if he did? What if he did, though? You know, no, I, if, he, if he did, then yeah, I, it's, it's a fucking hard situation. It'd be very it? conflicting. Um, and all these things are, are, are size and scale and scope. Like, you know, Saudi Arabia just increased their share on Nintendo by a percent. So they're up to like 6%. Yeah. Right. That sucks. Yeah, it does. Know? Like, th- their record on human rights is awful. Like, so everything, I, everything needs to be reviewed and awarded on its merit. However, mm-hmm. I think that outlets need to do better to give context to these things. Because yes. if every single review of every Nintendo game for the next 10 years had a banner across the top saying, Nintendo is partially owned by the Saudi Arabian government, they have done X, Y, and Z, then, you know, maybe Nintendo would, there'd be more done to stop these things happening. So right, it's exactly. on, it's the onus on outlets and to make it clear the context in which these games are coming out and mm-hmm. you know that we do need to have more banners i would argue on reviews when it comes to controversial topics uh, yeah and this is a big one yeah scrutiny needs to be applied and it needs to be uh, shown to an audience and yeah that's important all right uh well that is everything with a release date coming out this year we then have a big list of things that uh, don't have any release dates um and we don't know if they will come out this year but they might um a lot of indie stuff in here of course a lot of stuff that's been shown off in nintendo directs at various points in time uh, we have bob rush cyberfunk which is a jet set radio inspired game that looks very cool has a very stylish kind of edge to it um you know i i like skating games a lot right like i 
been played a bunch of the ramp which is like a, a almost like a toy more than a game um and that game is very much like i it doesn't have any goals or anything but i just enjoy turning it on and just playing about with it because the feel of skating is fantastic and it feels like this game is is taking what jet set did which is like skating and like movement and kind of building on it but just like if the skating feels good i'm kind of in for something like this you know that's the thing that kind of like i could just do without as i said in my kind of game of the year thing for ollie ollie world i don't need any goals i just as long as it feels nice to move around that's that's what i'm here for so um it looks very good and uh, i not played the original jet set radio but i think that that fan base is quite excited to see uh, how this mm. does really um, cool looking game um great again concerned how it'll run on switch but it does look very yes cool. yeah absolutely um botany manor uh, was shown in a direct uh, recently uh, this is a game from, I believe, someone who worked at Us2, uh, who are the makers of Monument Valley and, and those types of games. Um, and they've gone out on their own to make a uh, kind of like nice first person kind of garden simulator, as it were. You know, you, you live in this manor, you go around, you kind of plant plants and, and kind of just do that sort of stuff. And, you know, I like games like this. We've talked about a lot of how mundanity is being brought into games a lot more these days and just stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think is a setting for a game or a thing you would do in a game. Um, and there's there's lots of games out there like, you know, potion crafting games and stuff like that that, that kind of draw on this, this playbook and, you know, almost Harvest Moon adjacent in some senses. But this looks very charming and, and very nice and um, almost reminds me of The Witness from a visual standpoint, right? The kind of like bright colors and outdoor environments. Um, yeah, how do you feel about this kind of genre, this this type of game, Bally? Because I don't feel like we play that many of them, but sometimes like one comes along that's kind of a chill, kind of a puzzle uh, adventure in, in a sense. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, what was the one that I played on PS Five? I've forgotten the name of it now. Um, do you remember? The I have one no idea. Are you talking uh, about like a narrative first person game? Uh, no, it was the puzzle. Um, oh, maquette. Maquette. Right? Yeah. Yes. Ultimately, these games are more about just their their ideas, and it comes down, in my opinion, with maquette to like how well it's delivered. The idea is fantastic; it works yes. well. But the way that that was enabled through a video game, the mechanics didn't feel strong enough. So, in my opinion, yeah. like yes, these games look pretty. I like being in pretty worlds, but for in order for the game to sing with me it needs to like be mechanically strong and you're not scared you're going to fall through the world which happened a few times in maquette but yeah totally totally um next up we have cocoon which is another game from people who made inside it feels like every other day we're like oh well this is from the people who made inside it's like how many people made inside are making other <laughs> games right um because obviously somerville came out last year and that seemed like a, a disappointment for people yeah. um and now we have this game cocoon which is a kind of a puzzle platformer it looks like um and it has a nice style to it i don't know though i feel like i'm i'm a bit more after, after somerville came out and wasn't great i'm maybe a bit more skeptical how do you feel about cocoon i don't know how to feel about cocoon honestly it, it looks really cool um it looks like a bunch of 2d zelda puzzles all put together yeah. and if it does that well that's a really promising thing if it part of the strength of zelda maybe is arguably that it mixes up a bit of action with puzzles so if it's purely puzzles this game maybe that could get a little tiresome but at the same time mm -hmm. if those puzzles are really well designed which you know the trailer implies that they are then it could be really cool exactly uh, and we'll see uh, i think that 
has a good chance of coming out this year, so we'll see how it does. Um, next up is Desta, The Memories Between, which, uh, again, shown in one of the presentations, and this is a game that is already out, I believe, on Netflix. Um, Netflix's whole thing, I, you never know like what games they have or how many or how to access them, but they've, they've got a lot of stuff on there at the moment. Um, and this is from Us Two Games, who, who made Alba, which I talked about earlier this year, um, as mm. well as... Um, uh, monument valley and uh, assemble with care like they make very good games um this one seems neat i don't really understand it it's kind of like sports meets tactics puzzle game like it's got a weird yeah. kind of isometric look to it um but looks yeah. neat looks neat I, for me the art style speaking to me a lot more than the the mechanics perhaps yes but we'll see yeah definitely um then there's the french game that no one can pronounce every time i hear people on podcasts talk about it i believe it's dordogne right it would be dordogne would probably be the way you would say it uh but I, it might I, just I, I just i would just go dordogne yeah it might be just dordogne uh but i would pronounce the end but yeah yeah um i think it would have to have an accent on the e for it to have a, an extra inflection. yeah, yeah. Uh, but dordogne is probably the way you would do it um the one thing my french teacher said i, I had a good french accent and nothing else was good about my french but um, <laughs> in any case um yeah, this is a this is a very nice uh, kind of stylized wow, yeah. adventure, very painterly, um, watercolory. But also, your I think when people say painterly in video games, it's a lot more thick and acrylicy. This is right, actually painterly. I would argue, yes. like it's proper, like watercolors, um, very undefined edges, and mm-hmm. looks incredible. It's literally a 3D character just walking on a watercolor painting. That's literally yeah. what it is, um, which I think is very, very stunning and, um, and and cool. It has has vibes of what Alba was as well um, that I played this year. Um, then we have a game that should have come out a long time ago. <laughs> um, the Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster series. Bally, that's my Dooku. Qui-Gon Jinn would never join you. Once oh, more, yeah. uh, again, uh, a, a remaster coming to Nintendo Switch that I think is going to underwhelm people. Now, here's the thing. You know, they have perfectly good versions of these games, GBA versions of these games that they could have used for a lot of stuff, right? And they decided we're going to do this Pixel Remaster series, which is somewhat between GBA and Super Nintendo with, like, a decent visual upgrade, but not perfect, and it doesn't kind of fit exactly. But the main bugbear that I know is not going to get fixed and people have complained about is the text the text in this game is so bad it is like mobile-esque it is like really really awful to look at and just takes it just takes away from the feel of these being final fantasy games they just feel they feel cheaper and they feel less important because of the treatment that they've given to the text in this game and i know that's uh, maybe an overboard statement to say but i think it is true i think that had they gone with a look that it was more reminiscent of the gba in terms of the um the style of how the text comes across like a more pixelated look it w- i would have been far more in on this entire thing not to mention that the whole thing together is like 75 quid uh, which is just exorbitant pricing and each of them are like so overpriced for what they are it's just um I really feel like they could have done so much better. Not only is it coming late, like at least six or 12 months later than it came to, to PC and to mobile, but they just, they feel like they're an underwhelming way to put these these games out there for people. Um, and I just, I want better from Square Enix across the board and they just don't seem to want to be better. So um, unfortunately, yeah. that's how it is. Doesn't look good. Uh, on the, on the upside, you know, you can now play official English versions that look like the originals for Final Fantasy 3 and for Final Fantasy 5 because Final Fantasy 3 was only remade in 3D on DS, so you never got a traditional Final Fantasy 3 remake. And Final Fantasy 5 um, has, up to this point, only been on the GBA. So 
you know, uh, in, in any case, you can play some of the games uh, that you weren't able to before in a better manner. But I will likely just stick to playing the GBA versions uh, myself because um, those are the ones I prefer. Um, mm. Yeah, but at least at least you can buy these individually, right? If I wanted to, because three is the one really that I would want to get, because there's there isn't a GBA version for three, um, so three might be the one I pick up here. But I don't know. I wish that they would change things. And the the problem with Switch is there's no modability. So on PC, people have modded out the bad text and they've modded in good text, and um, you can't do that on Switch, sadly. So it's up to Square Enix. Next up, we have Gunbrella, um, a very cool looking game. Uh, that uh, they had a demo for over Steam Next Fest that I played and uh, felt pretty good. Oh, yeah, nice. I think Umbrella is pretty neat. Um, has a a nice momentum to it, like the whole idea of the umbrella that kind of like gives you aerial movement alongside the gun that you can use to. You can also use the umbrella to block attacks as well coming towards you. Is it you. more level based or Metroidvania? It's more Metroidvania. Yeah, okay. it's um, you have benches, so you kind of have benches like Hollow Knight where you can save. Right. Um, the one thing in the demo that put me off was, I think I maybe it was my fault for missing a bench but i think i died right at the edge of where i could have got a save uh, after a town like i was in a town i was like in this town there should be a bench but there wasn't one it was only after the town and then um i died and i had to go really far back and i was like ah that kind of sucks so i hope they kind of iron out the mm. checkpointing stuff a bit better um but yeah it feels like it's going to be a good fun time um from a mechanic standpoint looks really cool um i agree the idea of like a gun that's also an umbrella and you're gliding but also not just gliding grinding like on yes, rails exactly. and then obviously shooting as it's a gun um really yeah. cool little idea the um the vertical momentum you get from using the umbrella is actually quite a lot like when you jump and you kind of puff it up you go pretty high in the air so it actually is really good for getting around and, and moving around the space so um yeah it feels great now maybe we're tempting fate here bally but next on the list is a game that may never come out uh, it's called hollow knight silk song uh what are your odds of this actually releasing in 2023 I'd go eighty percent. I think it's okay. I think it's good odds, and that's mainly because Microsoft included it in there. Um, this is what you can look forward to for the remainder of this year, and was it the first half of twenty twenty three? I want to say. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that the fact that it was included there, and they were very much proud to announce it was day one Game Pass, makes me feel like it's coming this year. And even if it gets delayed out of that window, I think it will come near the end of the year. I think we. We are due. It's coming. I think it's happening. I can't believe that they <laughs> they showed this game playable at a treehouse like four years ago. <laughs> like, what the hell, man? Was uh, it DLC then and then it became I, its own game? Or... I think it was in the transition point between DLC and full game. So okay. they, had, they had announced it as a full game already by that point, but it was only like maybe four or five months after they had announced it was changing from DLC to a full game. So... Maybe the portion that they showed was like DLC stuff that they're like, ah, oh, it's fine. Nintendo can show that off. And um, yeah, it turns out uh, game development takes time, <laughs> especially for, I, I honestly, I cannot imagine the pressure these guys are under. Like <laughs> following up yeah. what is now considered like a cult classic, one of the greatest games of all time by so many people. It must be like so difficult <laughs> to do that, right? Like I can't, it's yeah, the stress must be crazy and they clearly want to get it right they clearly want to take their time with it so fair play i think i think um it'll be hard to match the impact of hollow knight especially like, on difficult. the industry yeah. and, like, we love hollow knight but the industry seems to like think that hollow, hollow knight is next coming a christ like it's oh, yeah. like elden ring levels of innovation and yeah. uh, originality and mm-hmm. i think it's great i don't think it's that high up but um i'm very intrigued by how the industry will react to silk song because yes. i think it'll be 
I think it'll be like Ragnarok, you know. I think it'll be just as good, if not better, than the first game, but a little less impactful. And that's still a very good result for that game. Absolutely. Um, we then have Metal Slug Tactics, uh, which is a tactics game based in the Metal Slug universe. Looks very cool. Um, I like the look of this thing, and I'm always down for tactics stuff. And um, the pixel art is great, so I hope that that turns out well. Um, I'm not sure what team is working on this, but um, hopefully they have uh, some some good pedigree. Looks pretty nice. Uh, Mina the Hollower, uh, Bally, the follow-up. Yacht Club Games' next IP after Shovel Knight is coming, supposedly, this year. Um, they, it feels like this is one of those games where it probably looks like it should be able to come out sooner than uh, we think, um, just based on the art style and the visuals and stuff, because it is like, it's a Game Boy game, right? Like, it looks like a traditional Game Boy game, um, but it is doing modernization, just like Shovel Knight did, to the kind of side-scrolling 2D DuckTales platformer. Mina the Hollower is basically saying, like, hey, what if we matched up Link's Awakening with Castlevania? Um, and it's mm. a really cool combo. And the question is, you know, does it come out this year? I'm, I'm not sure, just because they did a Kickstarter, I think, end of maybe 2021. Um, so it feels like it's coming around for its time at this point. Yeah. Will it have the crazy long trading quests that have put me off Sports Story that are in Link's Awakening? Yeah, I That's wonder. The They'll probably have a nod to it in some sense. Yeah. But they probably I'll, have... I'll take a nod. But if it t- takes yeah. up a big chunk of the game, I'll be, I'll be a bit grumpy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see how this thing does. Um, I'm curious if it will break through in the same way as Hot, as uh, Shovel Knight. Um, I wonder if it if it has the juice to do that. We'll see. Uh, quick definitely. question: What is a hollower? I don't know. I think it's just like because she can burrow underground. Maybe she um, makes things hollow. It makes things hollow. Yeah, right, I guess that that's the thing. <laughs> okay. I think they've just made it up as a title. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> Next up is Minico's Night Market, one of those games that's been hanging around for a long time and has been in Nintendo Directs here and there, and it's one of those indie games that I look at and I'm like, is that coming out? I don't know if it's even coming out, um, but it seems like it might do this year. Has an art style, I would say, that's reminiscent of it's somewhat Carto, but also a little bit of like um, hmm. uh, the Wild at Heart, yeah, um, yeah. like has that look to it which I think is pretty neat. Quite a few games mimicking that similar style in recent years, actually, in games. It's quite it's just become a little bit, little bit more popular. Um, seems a bit, yeah. like, Stardew-ish. Yeah, it's kind of, like, adventure-y, narrative-y, like, has lots of little elements. I don't actually know what kind of genre it really fits into, but mm. um, I know a lot of people are excited about it just from a visual. And it's got cats, and it's cute. That's the main thing. It's, yeah. it's a cute game. Exactly. That's how it gets high review scores, is cats and cute things. Um, so... We'll see how it does. Uh, Oxenfree 2 is happening. I think we both enjoyed the first Oxenfree. Yeah. I'm not like overly uh, like a massive fan of Oxenfree 1, but I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, and this one is now being published by Netflix because Netflix owns the developer. Um, but yes, I believe it is still coming to Switch. So yeah, it's not one that I would jump in day one on, but it's one that I'm like, let's wait for reviews, see what people say, and maybe I'll pick it up if I'm interested later down the line. But um, yeah, I wouldn't say that the first Oxenfree was a, a top-tier indie for me, so I'm not like super on board day one. But uh, how, how are you feeling about it, Bally? Yeah, Oxenfree was like one of the first games I played that was narrative-driven that had voice acting, as mad right. as that sounds. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I found it very impactful at the time. Um I didn't love where the story ended and but i loved the way that it told its story and maybe that's less impactful in 2023 if it goes for something similar because i think Austin free one was a really long time like 2016 yeah it was quite a while while ago ago. and yeah so that type of game was more impactful then than now so i'm i'm intrigued i know after party their other game in between didn't do amazing no um, it didn't i hope they can do something nice with oxen free for sure 
um, has a unique dialogue system that I think was the kind of the standout thing for right. the game. Also, quite creepy uh, for a 2D game. Yes. Still got a bit of scares out of me. So, um, Pepper Grinder, uh, a new indie from Devolver, which basically was like, hey, you know that section in Ori where you burrow underground? How about we make a whole game about that and we mix it with Drill Dozer with a character that kind of looks like the main character of Drill Dozer. Um, this thing looks like mechanical juice, the game. Yeah. Like, it feels like I like it a lot. So this and Gumbrella are both, both Devolver, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah so they're really going for the 2D platformer kind of unique traversal thing mm-hmm. and yes do we know if this one's more level based or metroidvania i think it is a bit more level based yeah okay. it seems like the way it's designed anyway it looks very much like you're stringing things together right in a platforming sense um i yeah i hope it feels as good as it looks because it looks like it feels great to play right it has that kind of very crunchy design in terms of its sound design and everything and the animation going through like the dirt and like jumping out the other side and you, you know using hook shots to like grab things and then swing yourself into another piece of the earth um yeah i'm very interested in in this game and how it feels and, and how it comes out and i hope the i hope the mechanic doesn't overstay its welcome right because that's the worry if you just take this one core mechanic how do you twist it enough throughout the game to make it interesting right the way through because then like ori it feels really fresh because it's just that one area where you do the thing and yeah obviously the the water uh, mechanic felt very similar to it because you're kind of swimming and then popping out. That's kind of what you're doing in the sand in Ori and it worked. But uh, yeah, I, I think Pepper Grinder could be really cool. Fantastic. Um, Pikmin 4. That's play. my Dooku. Qui-Gon Jim would never join you. That's my Boba. Yep. We have a count. We have a battle <laughs> right now uh, on Pikmin Four. Um, not the one you might expect, uh, Bali. What? What? What's this Dooku nonsense here for Pikmin Four? Um, maybe I'm being harsh. I just don't think this game is coming out in 2023, and okay. I think that it's. I don't like when Nintendo say, "Oh yeah, this game's coming out next year." Here's no video game footage, gameplay whatsoever. Um, I just think it's pie in the sky when. These Nintendo games take years and years and years of development and then they think they can put out something that doesn't even include gameplay and fool us all into thinking that it's actually going to come out the following year. I just, I personally don't buy it. Um, However, I'm sure when Pikmin 4 does come out, it will be very good. I just don't like that it's slated for this year when it just feels a bit false in my view. Now, the thing is, Pikmin 4 uh, is a game that has been in development for, you know, 25 years, as we all know. Uh, Miyamoto on his own in a basement. Then show us some gameplay. That's what I'm saying. If it's been in development that long, he, let's, look, let's see it. Look, he's a tease, it. man. He's a tease. He wants to tease <laughs> you out. He's just, you know, it's, it's just it's what Nintendo want to do is they want to make you uh, fall in love with Pikmin for it fully shows itself to you. Um, no, I'm very excited for Pikmin 4. I think pikmin 3 was the game that got me into the series in the sense that i hadn't played them before and i think i tried a bit of multiplayer pikmin 2 at your house and just never really understood it and didn't really get the idea of what pikmin was and playing pikmin 3 on wii u i was like oh oh this is a metroid game in disguise i I didn't know that (laughs) um and um and i think that was really what clicked for me but also it just it's such a fun world to explore like the whole i I have always loved and this is i think part why we like it takes two so much is like small person in world that is big but um shrunk down the toy story factor basically i love that idea i've always loved it and so pikmin kind of leans into that a lot and i like that the first games uh kind of do real world objects and things like that and you know they imply that it's all on earth and all Mm. that sort of stuff and pikmin 4 i think has the opportunity to 
to maybe take the series in some new directions while keeping what is so good about the core of it and um i do think it's coming out in 2023 i think that you know this really is probably the last year the last full year of games on switch um before we likely get a successor i'm gonna say hopefully next year but you know who knows but i think that this game is gonna drop probably later in the year i would imagine august september but I don't know, the, the way I'm not too worried that Nintendo have only slightly teased it because it feels like something they have been working on for a while and we know that their marketing cycles have gotten shorter and shorter generally. And given how little they've shown... For the vast majority shown, of games, yes. Yeah, and given how little they've shown for Zelda and how close we are to that, like a similar thing they could do here, which obviously Pikmin 4 only just got announced as opposed to Zelda being announced like four years ago. But um, I think that the, seeing the in-engine stuff made me think like yeah okay they're just teasing us here right there is more to that and i think that there's there's a likelihood we get a full trailer at a direct early in the year and then it comes out later in the year i do think it is possible and i'm very excited for it you know um i i'd love them to put those older pikmin games on switch somehow mm. um make them more accessible I mean, to people if gamecube came to switch online pikmin 1 and 2 would be like my first games to go to probably yes uh, i think I'd so wanna play uh, i played quite a big chunk of pikmin 2 back nearest to when it came out and enjoyed it but um i really want to go back and play one and two again yeah absolutely um would be good ones to go into the backlog for and yeah pikmin 4 i have some high hopes for pikmin 4 so we shall see if they pan out Uh, another game i have high hopes for sea of stars uh a game that we uh kind of referenced at the start of this episode with chained echoes of like mm. can it now live up to what chained echoes is has put down on the table and i certainly hope so i mean you've got yasunori mitsuda uh doing composing for this game which is always a good thing uh, as well as just some of the best pixel art i've ever seen frankly like it looks yeah. stunning um i feel like it's got the visuals over chained echoes i'm i'm a yes, little definitely. more concerned that judging by what you're saying about chained echoes mechanics that sea of stars can live up to that i think that's a yeah. very high bar to to meet and you never know sea of stars might be a lot more in line with the traditional um it could be when i say traditional i mean it's obviously trying to be like chrono trigger which was already reinventing a lot of traditions anyway so that's true yeah um if it's close to that it can probably still be very good i'm very excited for sea of stars um I'd, i'd i'd love to play it yeah i think visually it is definitely a step above chained echoes i think one of the things people pointed out about chained echoes is uh, when characters stand still or they're in town they don't have idle animations they just are static uh, yeah. um so it's just one of those like little polish things which i don't think really affects my enjoyment of the game but um little polish stuff like that it's is cool obviously it's, there. Yeah. it's cool when it's there and um obviously this team is much bigger they made the messenger and they already have a lot of experience as opposed to literally one guy making uh shane deco so um yeah i'm sure they can do a lot with it and yeah it is very directly chrono trigger inspired so i think the combat will be quite similar to that then we have a remake of one of our favorite games back on the GameCube. It's Story of Seasons, A Wonderful Life Ballet. It's coming back around. Um, how are you feeling about this? Is it something that you'd want to go back to? Has Stardew infected us so much yeah. that we can't go back to Harvest Moon anymore? <laughs> Stardew really has like put the bar so far high and above what Harvest Moon was that I would yeah. be nervous about going back to Story of Seasons, A Wonderful Life. Would there be a lot of nostalgia there? Yes, I... A Wonderful Life was incredibly slow-paced compared to, for example, Friends of Mineral Town. Um, yeah. And that had its own charm because it felt like the fact it was 3D, it felt like you could really just take it in a, a whole lot more. Yeah. Like, there wasn't... Yes, you were watering crops, looking after animals, 
but they 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 felt like quite small, maybe even quick jobs to do, and then oh, it totally. felt like there was a lot more exploration of the town, and it was the music, the vibes, the the weather, like the the characters, like that town. There's just something so peaceful about it, and um, this game is more vibes than mechanics arguably for oh 100 stardew yeah. valley as much as the vibes are great in stardew valley is very mechanically um superior and that's yes. kind of why it's so enjoyable so i'd go into it with an open mind that's very different to stardew valley but i'd be willing to try it, it obviously all these things are in time constraints and yeah. everything but um in theory i'd like to try it maybe yeah it's one of those things as well with a lot of these remasters it's like well got a steam deck i can just get the rom on the steam deck and it'll look just as good and yeah i don't know the the remake has a visual identity to it that doesn't quite keep with the original look of the game i think the original look of the game is so good and this is like slightly off that which makes it makes it feel a little bit of a doppelganger in a in a way that is uncomfortable in some ways but um yeah i i i hope that it still retains that charm that made that first game so good right like uh the character i just have such good memories of like going and seeing the characters and trying to go to the farm with um, that one girl who i wanted to be my wife right every time and um yeah i think that they they did another one which was where you play as a girl in the same town right like it was like a, a alternate version i think another wonderful life or something like that i right. think this this remake probably has all that stuff all that content in there so that's pretty yeah. good uh they're remaking two of the biggest, most classic games of all time, Bally, the Suikoden games, Suikoden 1 and 2. Konami are giving them an HD remaster. And let me tell you, this uh, this looks pretty good. Uh, it has like a not fully Octopath thing going on, but they are kind of redoing all the environments and the characters and stuff. And yeah, it looks great. Uh, Suikoden is a series I've been meaning to get into for a long time, like many JRPG series. And um, yeah, I, I think this is a good excuse to do it right like with chrono cross uh, last year uh, i think that getting picking this up and playing this handheld would be a delight uh, and it's it's one of those that i didn't know if it was ever going to happen because konami is stupid and bad but they decided hey well let's we want a bit of money so let's just put a bit of effort into these uh, remasters and they look very very good um very very nice uh, to see they do look nice, getting some actually. attention it's a real good look yeah it's it's real good stuff uh, this is one that I had heard had got announced, but I was like, oh, wait, it's actually uh, coming out soon. Uh, and I had. Yeah, I missed this announcement. Had not seen the trailer, but Tesla Grad 2, uh, a game that we talked about a while ago, um, a long, long time back in the, the Wii U days. A uh, game that I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, I can't remember. Did you ever play Tesla Grad? Ballet? I never got around to Tesla Grad, but um, okay. I'd like to. And I think you really enjoyed it and then Rage quit on the final boss or something want to say oh maybe yeah i think it was it got very difficult towards the end yeah. i'm pretty sure i did finish it but it definitely it had some issues just in terms of difficulty because you literally have one hit so you die in one hit um which was pretty brutal i'm gonna say um but the puzzle stuff was really cool it was like a pseudo metroidvania but it was very linear in the sense that you would like go up the top of this tower and you would do puzzles along the way and, and do a little bit of combat and stuff like that this looks pretty cool different main character i think it's one of the characters from world to the west which was the kind of like interqual game it was like an isometric mm. game we played it when we went to we Gamescom. spoke to um uh rain games ceo did, back at yes. uh, gamescom and he made mm-hmm. the point that he he liked the idea of making different genres of games within the same universe yes, so exactly. the fact that world to the west is like a top-down 2d zelda and then this is obviously like 2d metroidvania platformy but mm-hmm. same w- universe i think that's quite yeah. cool i'd like to see more things do that 
Yeah, it's like the Steam World games, right? Like it's a similar idea yeah, of totally. all taking place within the same space, but different different games. So that's cool. I'm, I'm glad that's coming out. Then we have, I think, probably one of the most anticipated games on our end, uh, the Plucky Squire Bally. That's my Boba. Yep. There you go. I think I've, I've also said Boba and Boba. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I've rarely reacted to a trailer as hyped as this trailer. And for anyone wanting to know what I'm talking about, just YouTube like the Plucky Squire and you will be pleasantly... If you like anything to do with Nintendo games and this sort of thing... Um, it's a pretty special trailer. Uh, I, yeah, I remember because I was watching the Devolver Direct and you were doing whatever because you didn't want to watch all the conferences. And right. as soon as this happened, I'm like, Bali, just don't look at the internet. You need to just just click this link, yeah. watch this. Don't yes. get spoiled on this thing. I, yes. I, I need you to see this. Um, so I tried to get that to you as spoiler-free as possible as soon as I could, basically. Yeah. Because um, um, it's a hell of a trailer. It, I mean, what was wild was the trailer starts and it's just like this really... I was like, oh, that's so cool. It's like this you're in a book and then the characters yeah. running around in the book i was like oh nice one embers there this is such a great art style thanks for saying in this trailer and then he pops out of the uh-huh. goddamn book and then yep. there's a 3d platformer all of a sudden he's walking around again it's a, it's a kind of like small guy in a large world yes exactly toy thing again and god it looks good um we should not judge games by their trailers. Uh, I mentioned Sports Story earlier sure, in the show. Sure, very true. That's a cracking trailer and uh, a woeful game. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to get too hopeful. And again, maybe it probably won't come out this year. The Plucky Squire games like this seem to just live in the ether for four or five years and then eventually come out. But um, you never know. It might come out this year and it looks fantastic. It absolutely does um and i am very excited for it my only concern is it won't come out this year it feels like it might need a bit more development time um so happy to to have that happen and it is the uh james turner who was the uh the kind of lead artist on on pokemon for a while so you can you can see where that pedigree very comes cool. from very very strong pedigree uh, the last game on our list is a little cooking game a little indian cooking game called venba um that i think is delightful uh, and think has you know that kind of charm there's a category of indie games that are just like very light on gameplay but very heavy on charm uh stuff like a little to the left or unpacking like this mm. feels like it fits into that space of cozy art uh, style. cooking beautiful art style like very 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 distinctive and um yeah and uh you know showing a, a group of people who are never very represented in, in games which is uh the indian subcontinent right um and i think it's a uh it's cool that it's almost like a um what's the the word uh a diaspora uh kind of game because it's set in canada so they're not like yeah. in india it's like a uh, you know like i am diaspora um you know indian living in the uk mm. um from a uh different background right cultural background but um i think it's very cool to see that represented in games and, and I, I like the look of this thing quite a lot so i'm interested in the story it tells and uh you know how it kind of approaches all those topics are the developers um canadian indian yes i believe uh, at least one of them on the team is yeah, yeah. um cool. which is which is very cool so yeah uh very much looking forward to that game as well so yeah a lot of games a lot of stuff coming out on switch um and i'm sure there'll be even more announced uh during nintendo Rex and, and other uh things happening um so, yeah, we've got one email here, Bally, which we can quickly go through uh, yeah. from Chariot Goblin. Uh, just talking about Nintendo's lineup specifically, and Chariot Goblin says, Hey, TNL, as of writing, we only know of five games Nintendo's publishing in 2023. Fire Emblem Engage, Kirby's Return to Dreamland DX, Bayonetta Origins, Tears of the Kingdom, and Pikmin 4. Which one are you most anticipating? Which one do you think will sell the least? Um, 
very interesting uh yeah it's a very weird assortment uh it's like three pretty big games and then two games that are like eh, a little bit less important i would say um but yeah. bali where, where are you sitting what's your most anticipated uh, um easily this? tears of the kingdom following yeah. that definitely pikmin 4 and then honestly after that like i'm not interested in the other three if fire emblem gets really good reviews and does a lot of the strategic gba stuff and eliminates a lot of the uh more uh calendar related stuff uh, yeah. then i'd be interested in trying that later in the year i imagine time constraints that'll i doubt that will happen but um i probably think that bayonetta will sell the least i don't know what you think Ooh, okay interesting well pikmin 4 will sell the least because it's coming out next year but yeah oh okay ha there you go <laughs> there's a trick <laughs> question trick question um my most anticipated is actually fire emblem right now just because we're so close i'm like i am i've been on youtube looking up like gba rom hacks of fire emblem games bally i've been like because like you like three houses more than me but it's for you it wasn't like near your top it wasn't anywhere near your top tier of fire emblem games it probably it's probably like around the top five maybe i would say um oh it gets gets into the top five it might it might be like six or something i'm not sure i have to think about it more the the thing is three houses has some of the best character writing in the whole franchise like it's it's so a level above from so many of the other games like the story also has like good twists to it like the writing for the plot and the the characters is probably the best in the series overall so like it actually wins out on that level it's just the tactics for me were just a bit basic and not very interesting i was very i could sleepwalk my way through three houses pretty much right so i was kind of looking for a bit more tactical challenge and at the end of the day as, as great as the character writing and stuff is fire emblem is a series where i'm there for the tactics more than anything um and and so a return to form with engage is getting me very excited and i'm just i'm really itching i, I want to play it so bad so um yeah that is my number one actually at the moment then followed by tears of the kingdom and then pikmin 4 would be my number three i think um i'd probably put kirby last being at number four just because kirby's just a re-release of a game that i've never had that much interest in playing in the first place so i'm more curious about what bayonetta origins is than playing kirby's return to dreamland so that's kind of how i would rank them mm. which one will sell the least i think oh i you're right i do think it is bayonetta isn't it it's likely mm. bayonetta because the thing with kirby is like it's a re-release of an old wii game but it's Kirby, and people buy Kirby games, right? Like, yeah. there's there's something about it that it's more casual. It fits that big, wide audience of, of Switch fans. I think Kirby will outsell Bayonetta, but it's kind of a it's a tight race there. It depends how good Bayonetta is, but Bayonetta three already is a niche franchise. It's a niche thing to get into. So a spin off of a niche franchise, I think, is likely going to be the worst selling one. Um, but in terms of the best, obviously Zelda's number one. I think then Fire Emblem, actually. I think Fire Emblem sells better than Pikmin 4, if I'm honest. Like, we're at a point where Fire Emblem has built up enough reputation that it has... It's taken a B slot from Pikmin 4. I think Pikmin is now a C-tier series in terms of sales for Nintendo. Um, Mainly because they've just not done anything with it for years, so it just doesn't have the audience or the fan base to engage with it. So I think Pikmin 4 is actually uh, selling the next... You know what? Kirby might sell better than Pikmin 4, uh, which is sad but it could be possible i think pikmin will do pretty well actually and i think it's its opportunity to try and get back into nintendo's b tier potentially um and is pikmin 4 is it the first game that had a re-release from wii u so pikmin 3 obviously 
and then got its own sequel on Switch. You Ooh. know what I mean? Like, it's almost yeah. like a, a handful of games came out as like an experiment. For example, Tropical Freeze came out. We've not seen another DK platformer no. since. So, like, is Pikmin 4 the first example of, like, we tried we tried re, um, yeah. redoing the uh, the Wii U port, and now it, the Wii U port sold well enough that we're happy to make a new game in that series, you know? So, yeah, I think it's it good be. to see. Yeah, it is good, for sure. So... Glad to see it. Happy that Pikmin 4 is coming and is happening. Um, but yeah, there you go. Uh, lovely. Well, I think we've done enough yapping about the year and everything coming out. Uh, it's going to be a good one, I think, uh, and lots of interesting things to be chatting about uh, and discussing. And we're going to get on out of here. Before we go, let's give a reminder to everybody that that survey is going to be live as soon as this show goes live. So if you have some time, go ahead and fill it out. It'll be linked uh, in as many places as possible on our Twitter account, Discord, in the very show notes of this episode. So just click it um, and, yeah, just take a few minutes of your time to answer our questions. Um, We also, Bally, have some folks to thank for supporting us on patreon.com slash thisnintendolife. Yes, thank you to our $10 cheer patrons. Uh, they are Zach S., Thomas, Matthew, Albert, and Wicked Gamer UK Allen. And we should also give, give a big thanks to our new patrons. They are John H. and Sullivan C. And we should also mention that Matthew S., a $10 cheer patron, increased their patronage. So huge thank you to Matthew S. for your increased uh, patronage and your support. Uh, but thank you to all of our other patrons we are really creeping towards 50, so I'm really hoping we can get there soon. Um, it'd be awesome to get to 50 patrons. That feels like a nice round number, but thank you all for your support. Uh, and as MZ mentioned at the top of the show, the $5 tier is a little bit different now. We're going to do, well, we weren't doing much before with it, and now we are putting sort of r- random things here things, and there interspersed. Yeah, um, yeah, stuff and, will happen. Um, uh, as MZ mentioned, uh, he's already put out his top 10 video game songs of 2022 but that, that was for all patrons but in future that kind of thing will go to five dollar tier absolutely yeah just to give you a bit of a taste of what we might be doing and we did do our non-tender predictions for the year for january yes, that was our patreon show so highly absolutely. recommend checking that out for one dollar for sure um you can of course find us in various places around the internet on twitter.com you can go and find me at lord nbz where can they find you bally I'm on Twitter at Ballyman91. That's B-A-L-L-Y-M-A-N-9-1. Beautiful. Uh, you can engage with the show in various different ways. You can uh, find us on YouTube. Um, we're on Discord as well. Uh, join the community on Discord. Uh, we're currently doing our big fantasy critic uh, league, which is basically picking games um, and uh, trying to be a good publisher, essentially, is the game. <laughs> basically doing MBZ's job for him. That's like kind <laughs> yeah. of what we're doing. Doing, the, doing yeah. my job for fun. Yeah, Since basically. he's had that job, he's done much better at Fantasy Critic, well, which yeah. is very interesting. Yes. Uh, yeah, I might have some cheat codes uh, in some senses. But um, it's a good, fun thing to do. And uh, yeah, we've been having a lot of chat around that in the Discord. So if you want to join the Discord and chat with some folks about video games, uh, that is a good thing to do. It's in the description of the show. Um, we're going to talk us, about um, Fantasy Critic and bonus bits in a minute we will, as well. Yes. Um, uh, you can find the show in various places. We're on Spotify. We are on Stitcher. You can download us in any podcasting app that you have. You're searching for this Nintendo Life and you can download us and it's great and lovely um, and fun. And you don't have to remember to go find the show. It just automatically is there, like magic, one should say. Uh, so go ahead and support us and follow us on those places. Um, yeah, that's it, I think. That's the show. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have, uh, don't have anything uh, prophetic to say here, Bally. It does feel weird to be in 2023 and like to be talking about all these games coming this year and to be in a year where 3D Zelda is coming out. Like, that is... Oh, without, more special. Um, tempting fate. Like, that is... 
special special time do, do you remember where and when you were you know just before the switch came out breath of the mm-hmm. wild like that was a special moment i think i can remember i have memories of when every single 3d zelda that i'm <laughs> cognizant of came out right like i have yeah. strong memories of going to ali t's house yeah. on, the, on the eve of and your the week got delayed i i didn't get a week because my parents weren't able to get one and then you know i got one the next day and it was all good but i remember sitting there and ali t wanting to play twilight princess and me and you being like play that on your own time ali t we want to play replay uh, so <laughs> yeah. my first mario twilight princess is us telling ali t to go away and we played replay instead yeah. um and then skyward sword i was at uni and i remember that is a special day because 3d land and skyward sword came out on the same day oh, so i like yeah. went down to the uh the, the receptionist and got both of them and then just like played them all night basically just going between the two it was great um and then with breath of the wild uh i was also at uni but i was um in uh in a flat and waiting for it to be delivered to that flat and didn't have lectures that day and was like just the game and the switch were arriving separately so i remember the game coming through the post box <laughs> and me being like just staring at it being like okay can't do anything with this yet have to wait for the actual switch to get here and then the switch came like a couple of hours later so there's a you know, couple of hours of me just staring at a box for a while uh so yeah pretty strong memories of, yeah. of all of those and uh, I remember yeah. buying my switch in brussels and then just going back to my flat and and playing it and i remember um me and Caroline had just kind of started going out a few months before and I'd warned her of this moment when we started uh-huh. going out. I was like, you know, I'm not going to be able to hang out like for, and she was like, that's fine. The friend was, a friend was visiting her and then I just locked myself away while she was out visit uh, the, with her friend visiting and uh-huh. I joined them later and remember telling them about how incredible this, this game yeah, was. Yeah. Like, this is the best thing ever. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very special. Very special indeed. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll make more memories with more Zelda uh, oh, when it comes out this year. Looking forward to it. Um, all right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We will see you uh, next time with another show until then. Bye bye. interlude used on today's show was the battle theme from chained echoes copyright matthias linda 2022